1: Notre Dame fans, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It's not Monday, but it is recruiting our time. My name is Brian Driscoll. I'm the publisher of Irish Breakdown. That guy, if you may have forgot who that is, that's Ryan Roberts, our director of recruiting. Uh, somebody decided to take last week off and go on vacation. So uh, he is back. The good news is, the bad news is we didn't get him for a week, right? And we had a lot of people asking about you, Ryan. A lot of people miss you. when's Ryan coming back? As you see in the chat, uh, when's Ryan coming back? Uh so he he is back so we missed you for a week but the good news is is he's back refreshed and ready to rock and roll. And what better way to welcome Ryan back than with some quarterback talk. I think it kind of I think he knew Dante was going to commit and was like I'm out of here for that. Like, that. I'm out. So uh Notre Dame quarterback recruiting obviously Ryan has has been a big topic of conversation for quite some time. And Obviously, it centered around one quarterback for most of that time. That was Dante Moore. We have a very long Intel piece on what happened there, uh, why Dante ended up not being at Notre Dame and just the whole backstory behind that. And so now it's time to move on. Uh, We're going to move on here. I'm excited that we're not going to have to answer any more Dante Moore questions And it's time to talk about what Notre Dame is going to do because to kick things off, Ryan, I want to, we need to address this. There's no question. Notre Dame needs a quarterback in the 2023 recruiting class. It doesn't have to be Dante, obviously, but they can't not get a quarterback in this class, in
2: my opinion. Well, I I think it was on the mailbag this week, Brian, that we, that I I wrote in the last 20 cycles, that's only happened one time where Notre Dame hasn't had a quarterback recruit. I believe that was 2009. If I remember that correctly. And you see what happened where they got two quarterbacks in a cycle a couple of times, right? So historically, you want a quarterback in a class. It's a low number position, but you want to take that one quarterback that kind of continues that cycle. So I agree with you. I don't think that it's advantageous to skip on a quarterback. I think that Notre Dame is already – it was preemptive to a degree, right? Like they knew – for a little bit that things were trending away with Dante. And, you know, again, if you want the whole backstory, please go join the, the uh, Irishbreakdown.com, the message board. You can kind of see the full full details in there. But they've been aligning their next man up type of philosophy, right? Like who what the board's going to look like that we're going to talk about a little bit today. But, I mean, to your point, one time in 20 years tells me that usually you want a quarterback in the class. and I don't think that changes in 2023 at all.
1: the board and how they've this isn't like they they weren't completely caught off guard on this Notre Dame made the decision wouldn't you spend a lot of time about it because it like people's opinions are varied on this and I think both sides have valid arguments I was in the put all your chips in the Dante Moore basket part of the reason for that was it was twofold number one is I always felt Dante would make a summer decision he ended up making a summer well I thought spring or summer and he ended up making a early summer decision as opposed to late spring and so you kind of you thought he would make a decision sooner, which gave you a lot of time to then jump on to the next guy. The second part about it is, is this is such a deep quarterback class that you knew there's going to be guys on the board that you can turn to either a as guys you can flip from somewhere else or b there's just going to be some really talented, uncommitted players on the board. And that's kind of true. There's some really good uncommitted players. And a lot of the Notre Dame board is guys that are committed to other schools that they are going to try to convince to get on campus and convince that they should be a part of what Notre Dame is doing. So, I think the reason, the other thing too, is when you just look, practically speaking, you look at the current Notre Dame roster. Right? you have Drew Pine, mm-hmm. Tyler Bucker, then Steve Angeli. Right. If if all three of those are can commit to staying the next two years until CJ, three years until CJ Carr shows up, then sure, you could maybe get away with not bringing in a quarterback in this class. There's two problems with that. Number one is I don't like that because I want to bring in a talented quarterback every year, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. just bring in a talented kid every year. Number two, you can't guarantee me that Drew Pine is going to be on the roster beyond this this season, much less next season. And here's why I say that. There is no intel that I've had that has told me anything about Drew Pine transferring. So just just everybody understands this is not me. Saying something that I know to be true, but I can't say that I know it. That's not it at all. This is me just looking at the college football landscape. And that is is that if Tyler Buckner beats out Drew Pine this year, Drew Pine, because of the COVID year, is still going to have three more seasons of eligibility remaining, which means he has two choices. One, he could stay at Notre Dame and hope that after Tyler Buckner finishes his career in four years, that Drew Pine can then come back for a sixth year and start for one, which is possible, assuming he – sure is able to beat out whoever else Notre Dame gets, right? Which that would make a lot of sense to me if Drew Pine has, loves football. Like, we know he loves football. I also know Drew Pine loves Notre Dame. But if Tyler Buckner, a younger player, beats him out, there's not a path for him getting on the board, you know, sure. in the starting lineup. So then Tyler looks at it and says, but, but what we have said is we know that Tyler Buckner also incredibly values the Notre Dame degree. Well, here's the reality. He's going to have a Notre Dame degree most likely by the end of, this school year. So then you're in a situation where he he's probably, you know, he there's, he's going to have a chance after this season to transfer somewhere, have three years of eligibility to remaining because of the COVID year, which is just nuts to, to explain all that stuff and get a chance to start somewhere. So he can get the best of both worlds. He can be a starting quarterback for multiple seasons and he can have a Notre Dame degree, which leads me to believe my opinion only That it's there's a good chance that Tyler Buckner won't be around, or excuse me, Drew Pine won't be around after there's a chance that he won't be around after the season, which means you have to prepare for that. So, on top of I already won a fourth quarterback, and then if you know, and then it just continues year after year, get a a quarterback. On top of that desire, there's also the fact that you have to prepare yourself for the fact that Drew Pine may leave after this season. So yep. those two things combined, Ryan, I just don't think you can be in a situation where you can anticipate things just working out perfectly at the position. And that's why it, you have to, on top of the fact, this is just too good of a year quarterback not to get one, in my opinion. Yep.
2: I, and I, I don't disagree at all with that sense. I mean, it, again, it's a the most important position in sports. So you want to continue to replenish that spot on the roster, right? And I mean even the other side of it Brian is like we both think that Tyler Buckner is going to be a dude like I know we both do but there's also that chance of like maybe he doesn't develop properly or maybe gets he gets hurt injured or, 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 right exactly so even that you're really you're putting all your chips in the Tyler Buckner basket especially after next season in case to your you know to the kind of the the picture you're painting here is what if Drew Pine is out and then you're down right. to one two scholarship quarterbacks, one quarterback though, that's had playing time. And then you have Steve Angeli, who's the backup. But then after that, who do we have Ron Paulus? Like we have a, some, a a guy that's a walk-on option for Notre Dame. So continuing to replenish that, that pipeline, I think is huge. And it's uh, one of those things where I talk about this in the mailbag. It's like Tyler Buckner and CJ Carr, perfect world. These guys kind of bridge to one another. And then you have great quarterback play for X amount of years. But you are putting yourself in the position if you don't get a good quarterback in 2023 that you're going to have to depend on that. And if it doesn't work out on either side, then you're in a little bit of a struggle there. And Then you need to figure out, mm-hmm. hey, now 2025 gets even more important. 2026 gets even more important. You're putting yourself into a lower margin of error if you don't right. hit on a 2023 quarterback. That's at least a player that can play if needed. Right.
1: And none of this has anything to do with uh, a, a low thought of Steve Angeli. If Steve Angeli is exactly what his supporters think that he is, and, and I hope that turns out to be true, I'm I, great kid. We just have our opinion of him as a, as a player. But if we are wrong and he's as good as some people think he's going to be, that doesn't change what we're saying at all. And that's the reality of it. So I just think a quarterback is needed in this class. And so what are the options? Option one is the one that a lot of people have talked about, and that is the potential for C.J. Carr to reclassify to the 2023 class. That is still an option on the table, but there's a reason Notre Dame is reaching out to other quarterbacks because I've said this all along, despite all the other talk that's out there, I've never felt that C.J. wanted to reclassify. And I don't want C.J. to reclassify. So, I mean, it's it's kind of a, a double that. I understand why Notre Dame brought the subject up, but they never pushed it on him in the the way that some people took a comment that we made on the site, they never pushed it on him. They brought it up and they said, we're going to give you the option of this. So as they kind of played the thing out with Dante Moore to see, you know, can we close this one out? You know, all the work through some of the issues that are going on. Then CJ had the option of reclassifying if he wanted it. That's kind of what it was. And CJ, I don't think wanted to reclassify. And I'm glad I don't want him to reclassify. I want him to play his next two years of high school. He could still change his mind. But that's not going to change Notre Dame pers- looking for and pursuing another quarterback. So if CJ Carr picked up the phone tomorrow and said, Hey, want to reclassify, let's do this, then you'd you'd probably see Notre Dame just focus on him and okay, that that's fine. And then turn to 2024 recruiting. In my yeah. opinion, Ryan, my ideal scenario is that he stays where he is, continues developing, maturing his body, maturing his game, you know, go through high school, lead your team to a championship, maybe a couple. And then recruit a 2023 quarterback. That would be the ideal scenario for me. I'm you and I have not necessarily talked about this live, so I want to give you a chance to kind of speak to what what you think about reclassification in this instance and kind of what your desire is in this in this situation.
2: I, I'm in the same boat. I, I would rather him stick to 2024. I, I don't think rushing things all the time works out right. Like I think of some of the reclassification, you know, just. I, some of the reclassifications that have happened recently, I can't think of a ton that it's really worked out a ton. I mean, like the immediate names, obviously think of Quinn Ewers. He hasn't played football yet, obviously. He reclassified for a reason that we've talked yeah. about before. Tony Grimes, another kid from North Carolina, I remember, that reclassified and he ended up starting. But I don't think he's been developed properly as, as good as he can be for North Carolina.
1: Uh, and I'll say this. It, it's not going to turn out well for North Carolina. Cause I think that t- Tony Grimes is going to really break out now this year, yeah. which mm-hmm. means they're going to get one of his prime years instead of two. Had right, he not exactly. reclassified last year would have been his freshman year. This breakout year would be his sophomore year and they'd still get him for another year. Yeah. And the biggest one of all JT Daniels. Yes, I think yep. that really hurt JT Daniels development as a player is not having that final year kind of letting his body mature because what's been the issue he hasn't been able to stay healthy right Mm -hmm. and i feel like you need that development so i think that is a big reason why Uh, i'm i'm against reclassification if it's my choice i'm also someone who believes that people should have the freedom to make decisions that they want to do as long as it's not against the rules and reclassification is not against the rules nor should it be because Mm -hmm. you know if you think you're ready and you've done the work academically Go for it. Just know that there's risk, like anything in the world, there's risk involved.
3: For sure. So I
1: personally would not advise to do it, but I also think people should have the freedom to do it. It's not one of those things that like the one-time transfer rule. That's a rule I think is stupid. It should be changed. No, I, I don't believe yeah. that. So I, I'm, I'm just not a big fan of it. I'm glad. I'm, I'm, I know you weren't, but I wanted to give you a chance to speak on it as well, Ryan. And we haven't seen sure. a lot it work out often. To be I honest can't.
2: With you. I I can't think of one time. I mean, like, I think Tony sure Grimes the, is sure the closest.
4: Is. Yeah. Sure,
2: but I mean, but to your point, also, has it worked out for either side yet? I mean, because Tony is is a, a pretty good player for North Carolina, but he's not the player that people thought he was going to be yet. Yeah. I agree. I think he, a breakout yeah. might be coming, but yeah. it hasn't worked out for him technically. And to your point, it might not work out for the program when you look at like, right. the full scope of things. So right. it may have helped out like in the near future for the program getting a player of his caliber to come in a year earlier. But I would just argue that I don't know if that necessarily worked out if you really dissect it further.
1: And I'll say this JT Daniels was the most advanced high school quarterback I've seen since Jimmy Clausen. I mean, just you talk, you go back and watch his junior year It's One of the best high school seasons of football. I mean, the only two seasons I've ever seen that were better. Ronald Curry as, as a junior and a senior was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Clausen is a senior and JT. I mean, JT Daniels junior season was special.
2: He threw like seventy something touchdowns. It was insane. It was, yeah, it was insane. Nuts.
1: I mean, and just his feel for the game and all those different things. And yet, even for him, it, it, you know, he he just wasn't ready. And and he did yeah. some nice things. He just wasn't ready, maturity wise. His body wasn't ready yet. He needed that other year to to get ready. So I'm just not a big fan of it. And I'm and I'm glad that Notre Dame is not pushing it on to CJ. They've just say, mm-hmm. look, you have this option if you want it. And and it's with the understanding of that he would then sit an extra year of development behind Tyler Buckner. It sure. just so we're clear, I've I've done a lot of digging on this. The potential of him reclassifying never had anything to do with Tyler Buckner. Mm-hmm. The only thing that I ever heard about Tyler Buckner's name was if Tyler go, you know, if Tyler's way better than we even better than we think he's going to be, and he leaves after his junior year Three, to go okay, pro. Yeah. Right. Something like that, which we don't anticipate, at least as of right now. And so somebody's asking if Tyler Tony Grimes is a corner. He is a corner. We're just talking about early enrollees or reclassifications in general. Most of them have been quarterbacks. That's why there's a lot of quarterbacks in the conversation. Brian, can I can I throw out a quick trivia question
2: for you? I love this since we're talking about gaudy high school numbers a little bit with JT. Do you know who? I think he still holds the national record for most touchdown passes in a single season in high school. Ninety-one touchdowns. Wasn't it Jr. House? Nope. It wasn't him. Who was it? It was um oh uh, I just lost his name. Jake, uh, Jake Jake. No, no, I know it. I know it. I'm coming okay. back. I'm coming. Back. Hey, I'm okay. trying to get back in the group, okay. man. It's the I'm first podcast. We you kind of have the answer. <laughs> Jake Browning, Folsom High School. Jake Browning Washington. I had yeah.
1: I did not know he threw 91 touchdowns in a
2: he threw like he, 91 he... to seven interceptions. It was insane. That's insane. Yeah, that's a year. little
1: nuts. I mean, were they just like throwing it at the one yard line? Is that pretty much know, what man. they were doing? I thought J.R. How? Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. He had 63 touchdowns as a sophomore, 75 as a junior. That's got to be wrong. That's just stupid. He threw like two something in his
2: career, man. It was crazy. That's
1: insane. That's just dumb. Um, But he, remember he had like 40 touchdowns the year that they went to the playoff and then just fell off a cliff. And then he had like 16 the next year. Yeah, (laughs) just fell off a cliff. And the whole program came fell off a cliff. So, uh, so, so back to this conversation, Ryan. I, I do, I do think that when I when I look at this, I'm good with the decision they've made. Give him that offer if he wants it, because he is a little older than you know than some kids in his class. Which he's not abnormally old. He's on this. He's actually a month older than I would, a, a month younger than me when I graduated. And I wasn't held back. I didn't repeat a eighth grade or anything like that. Like a lot of people are saying. I'm not saying it didn't happen, but I'm just saying he's got one of those weird spring, like summer birthdays where it's like, okay, do you start him early or do you start him late? Uh, right. You know, that's kind of what happened with me. So I was 18, my whole senior year turned 19 in May and JT or CJ will turn 19 in like June or July, June, I think of his, after his senior year. So he's not like, it's not like Jimmy Clausen where he's going to be 20, you know, during during his first semester at Notre Dame, it's not going to be that kind of deal. So anyway, so the rest. So then we look on the 23 class, right? We've addressed the reclassification. We've kind of stayed away from it until the Dante decision was done, and now we can kind of you know, get it out there. Uh, and, and I don't think that was necessarily a deciding factor for Dante, but it was a factor along with other things in the way that it was reported and all that type of stuff. It was reported as, as a much more definitive thing from what people have sent me. It was reported as much more definitive thing than it ever actually was. Uh, so that's why Notre Dame is looking at 2023 20, quarterbacks. As we said before, it's in a very loaded class. A lot of kids are committed, but there's still a lot of uncommitted kids. But when you're Notre Dame and you you are the program that they've been the last five years, a kid being committed somewhere else shouldn't scare you. And sure. I think that's where Notre Dame is. But you also have to be careful because you don't want to try to flip a kid that you're probably not going to be able to flip, which means, you know, you don't don't necessarily revisit the Jackson Arnold and Chris Vazina routes. You know, you maybe give them a call, but... They're sure. probably going to feel like they were spurned for Dante, which they were. Uh, sure. It's just fine. I'm, I'm glad that they can feel the way that they feel about it. That's totally fair. So you're you you, you going to go to kids that maybe are ascending, you know, kids that maybe weren't guys that you turned down initially. And so there are several players on the board. We're going to talk about two of them today. The three players that, that most of my intel have given me that Notre Dame is, is looking at is Austin Novasad from Texas, Kenny Minchie from Tennessee, and Brock Glenn from Tennessee. I think the first two, Ryan, are who we're going to talk about today. Yep. And the guys that I think are going to get a lot of Notre Dame's focus here as they move forward. So let's begin. Uh, well, So what we're going to do is we actually have some film. Uh, John Garcia, who is going to join us uh, later in the show. Uh, he is obviously the director of recruiting uh, at uh, SIL American. So he's the SIL American version of Ryan. And uh, he's going to join us. John had a chance to see both of those quarterbacks in person at the Elite 11s. I think he saw Minchie twice. I'm gonna to have to ask him about that. So they will get his opinion of them and just kind of what he's seen and you know from them. He was obviously out in LA for the Elite Eleven, and the the cool thing about that is Ryan is, you know, and Brian Smith talked about that. talked about this on our on the message board at our breakdown. So you would have read this yesterday. Mm-hmm. So the thing with the 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 quarterbacks is it's not just they go. It's not like a normal camp where they just go and they just throw, and they go through one on ones and drills and just throw they get these kids on the board, they talk mm-hmm. ball with them, they go over coverages, they go over route concepts, they do all that stuff to really test them mentally as well. And these two kids are guys that I heard back during the event of had really impressed some people with that. And, and uh, Brian Smith on the Irish Break the Message Board said that Trent Dilfer, who is a big part of the Elite 11, came to him and said, you know, it, without even being prompted, that Kenny Minchie was the best kid that they had on the board. You know, meaning like his just feel for game. And that's that backs up intel that I've been able to gather from sources about, you know, about why schools like him. Not only is he a, a talented player, but this is a kid is supposedly like a really wicked, smart quarterback. And that's something that you're seeing Tommy Reese really focus a lot on is your big arms are important, right? There's a lot of people say, you know, go off for Eli Holstein. I don't know if that's necessarily a guy that Notre Dame would pursue when you think about what they're looking for. They're looking for talented kids. But they're looking for talented kids with a really high football IQ. And, you know, after kind of what we saw with like Ian Book and some different things, who was a, you know, really he actually a talented player. We always said we always felt he was a talented player, but he wasn't a guy that necessarily had that super, super high football feel for the game. And that's something that Ty Maurice really, really wants. He wants a more talented version of Jack Cohn, is really essentially what he's looking for. What a lot of people don't realize is they that they think Tyler Buckner is that guy. And that's why I kind of laugh at the stuff like, oh, he's a runner; he got to learn to pass. Like he's like two, thousand seventeen Wimbush or something like that. Like that's not who Tyler Buckner is, and we'll we'll find that out this fall. But when you look at the two players on the board at the top, I think that's why they have separated themselves, and and Austin had especially uh, with getting his offer yesterday. Those two all, Novosad and Minchie, have separated themselves because of what the staff has learned about their their ability for in you know it, football intake. And that's yeah. a big part of what they're looking for at this point in time, and I think that's important
2: for Notre Dame. And and I'm, I love that we're watching film because obviously we're film guys, but also I think that those that football intelligence pops on both players' films. Like I think that you can watch and you can just kind of see deciphering coverages and working through progressions, just feel in the pocket. Like there's just kind of an innate feel to how to play the quarterback position from both regards. I also love it too, Brian, because we are comparing two football players in this in this conversation that are completely different right like you talked that they both have that football savviness and understanding that's kind of the commonality between the two but they're both very different football players which makes it fun like you have options Mm -hmm. that are not just like you mentioned we want a more talented jack Cohn, right but Mm -hmm. you also have two players that aren't mirrors to jack Cohn. like they both are different players in their own respect like i would argue that Austin said has some things that remind me a little bit of Jack Cone, but there's not much about Kenny Menchie's game that reminds me at all of Jack Cone, right? So I think it's cool that you have a commonality of what you're looking for, but also you have players with completely different traits that can fill that need. I think that makes Mm -hmm. a pretty pretty cool conversation.
1: So let's begin with Austin said Ryan. He is a kid from Dripping Springs, Texas. You were talking about kind of silly stats earlier, and and I – I was looking up Austin Novosad's stats, and I, I kind of was typing them into an article, and I just typed them in, and I was like, well, those are really good numbers. And then, then I started like, hold on a second. Let me do the math here. And you started looking at what his career numbers are based on the number of games he's played, and it's kind of silly. I mean, his numbers are kind of silly, and I didn't really think about it. He's played 19 games of high school football because as a sophomore, his first year was a COVID-shortened year, I believe, uh, but he played eight games as a, as a sophomore, and they played eleven last year. He had they went ten and zero in the regular season and lost in the playoffs. In just nineteen games, he has passed for six thousand and seventy two yards. He's passed for seventy five touchdowns and thirteen picks in nineteen games. Now the picks are a little high. He had nine this year for eleven. But when you watch him play, you see why. There's some picks that are happening because they're bouncing off of his receivers' hands, and he's a pretty gutsy kid. And and, and so those things have to get get kind of work through a little bit but I kind of like it it's one thing I always said around it I'd rather have to tamp a guy down than make force a guy to try to make a throw and that's what Austin is uh, he's uh, 64 and a half 64.5 uh, percent career completion percentage and again just silly silly numbers another thing I like is he's a he's a touchdown machine and this is kind of what you talked about and he's played 19 games and 12 of them he's thrown at least four touchdowns he said three games where he's thrown seven touchdowns in a game that's crazy. And, and which is just, yeah, it's, it's really impressive. So, I mean, I'm looking at his numbers here. It's like four, six, five, seven, five, one, four, three, uh, zero, and then four. Right. And so then, and that's this past year. And so in the game that they lost, he com- he, uh, completed 62 and a half percent of his passes th- through for 388 yards and four touchdowns in a 63 to 56 loss. So I'm not putting that one on Austin Nova's ad, Right. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, uh, productive kid doesn't play in like a great level of Texas football uh, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of talent and he's a kid that committed to Baylor very early in the process when he was a relative unknown his yep. junior season and then kind of how things have shaken out have caused a lot of people to take a second look at him so we'll talk about his recruitment first then we'll dive into the film uh, of austin as we're as we're doing the as we're kind of talking through his film we'll do some other things like we'll pop in there elite 11 clip so you can see that as we're talking as well right uh ryan so let's begin with Austin nova sad it's it's there's really three schools in contention for him right now Uh, ohio state texas a&m where i believe at least one of his parents went and then notre dame yeah what what i can say is notre the way from what i understand about how notre dame is going to go about this recruiting process They're not going to just offer kids to offer them. They're going to offer them if they believe there's some level of interest. Like, I think it would be silly for Notre Dame to offer a kid. And then let's say three days later, he commits somewhere else that like they're they're doing their due diligence before the offers go out to see if this is a kid that would, you know, will you come visit? Will you have definite interest in those type of things? And sure. so I think those are the things that you look at and say, OK, that, that, that this is a kid that to some degree has expressed a level of interest. So like right now, I think it's going to come down to, you know, to Ohio State, who people thought a couple weeks ago he was going to he was getting ready to commit to Ohio State is what is what our intel said. Didn't do that. A&M's yeah. involved and now Nurem's involved. And it does sound like there's legitimate interest between the two parties.
2: Yeah, I I think that the 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 that the the. Offered him just in general, I think is a good sign, right? Because like you said, they're probing and making sure that like, hey, you have legitimate interest. If we show legitimate interest back, because I think that that's a big part of this conversation, right? Like you don't want to, you're you're in in a little bit of a weird time, right? Because a lot of quarterbacks have come off the board. You obviously played the long game with Dante Moore, but it's now you're in a situation where like you need to get stuff done here a little quicker, right? Like there's a little bit of an urgency to this situation right now. So Austin's a kid where, hey. Was under recruited early, but he is, you know, like he, he plays high school football in Texas. He's had some uh, some great numbers. He goes to camps. He has really good showings, pretty consistently all the way through. And like you said, Ohio State wants him bad, man. Like th- this is the guy that they want as their quarterback in this class, right? right. Like, and, and and yeah, I think that it's it's showing volumes that I think they Notre Dame is making an effort to get him on campus and do all that type of thing. But the, the just the general fact that he was perceived to be the Chosen guy to be Mm -hmm. the guy for Notre Dame now, because I mean they like like we'll talk about Kenny Minchie as well. They have high interest there as well, but also Novosad's a guy that Notre Dame's been you know keeping tabs with a little bit for a little bit now, and he's kind of the guy for them, I think. So
1: yeah, speaking to the Ohio State interest. So basically, from from what I'm told, two two guys that Ohio State really zeroed in on at one point, among others, was Novosad and Brocklin. And Novosad is the guy that they kind of went towards more, and and it's sim- Notre Dame has done a similar thing, and other schools have because Brock Glenn of the quarterbacks we've talked about probably has the libest arm of all of them, yeah, and he's the best, he's definitely the best athlete of all three of the kids that we would talk about today. It's just again, it comes down to a lot of schools are li- like Ohio State will, and Notre Dame are very similar, and I will sacrifice elite physical tools for an elite mind if I have to. I want a guy with both. Sure. That's always the goal is both. Yep. but i'll sacrifice that because it's about running the offense with precision we're going to recruit elite players around you that's what Notre Dame is trying to do that's what ohio State has been doing you need a guy that can be that trigger man and if he's the more talented he is the the better it's going to be yeah and and so when you look at novasat i think he brings a lot of that to table now the the physical tools are still good ryan and and there's yeah. there's no mistaking that but he's not He's not he doesn't have the arm that Chris Vezina has or you know some of these other traits. He's not the big bodied kid, you know that that Arch Manning is or that Jaden Rashada is. He doesn't have the bazooka that Rashada has or that Nico has. And but there's a lot of tools to work with and as you said he is an ascending player. The key yeah. now for Notre Dame with Nova Sad and what they're working on is trying to get him on campus for a visit. That's the next step. Now, uh, my understanding is he has not committed to visiting but mm-hmm. there's been enough of a conversation with the parties that I think Notre Dame was comfortable enough with that potentially happening that they were willing to throw out the offer to him.
3: 100%. And
1: and so that's kind of where, where things are in, in that regard, Ryan, with, with those two. So I, I, I we're not saying it's going to happen. It's not locked in. We've heard from enough sources that I do think there's a chance that Nova Sad could potentially visit Notre Dame at some point in time this summer, or at least say, Hey, I'm going to, I can't decide right now I'm going to carry this into the fall and go that way. I think Notre Dame would prefer that he make a sooner decision, but just it'd be for them, not Ohio State or Texas A&M. But it is interesting in this quarterback domino situation that if you think of the schools where all these quarterbacks are going, and this is kind of leads into the whole, who's going to have the number one ranked recruiting class type of thing. You know, Alabama got two, you know, top hundred quarterbacks. But a lot of these other big time schools don't have quarterback. Ohio State doesn't have a quarterback. Notre Dame doesn't have a quarterback. Georgia doesn't have a quarterback. Texas A&M doesn't have a quarterback. LSU doesn't have a quarterback. Uh, it's a really strange situation, and and you know, really Dante is. Moore went to Oregon. Nico went to Tennessee. Jaden Rashada went to Miami. Arch went to
2: Texas, right? So Ricky, Ricky, Ricky Collins at Purdue, like a right. lot of talented. What, what's interesting
1: with it. him yeah. is that's a fascinating one. And I I have so much respect for Ricky Collins right now. And if he decides yep. to flip at the end of the process, kind of like Drew Tranquil did late, I'll understand it. But Purdue got on him when everybody else was treating Ricky like you're a third or fourth guy. We're waiting on Arch and Dante and Rashada and all these guys. And Ricky said, there's a system, there's a school up in, up in, up in Purdue who had a flipping walk-on quarterback throw for a bunch of yards last year who it can't sniff Ricky Collins as a talented player they wanted me they they were my team they they believed in me they gave me a chance when everybody else was telling me i had to wait for somebody else yeah and now that those schools are all coming around LSU's worked hard to try to flip him Michigan has tried to land him he's pretty much told them all to pound sand and my understanding is that that, that it, it wouldn't shock me if no I, I don't know this it's my understanding that Notre Dame did like Ricky early in the process as well. It's just, he was below other guys because they did reach sure. out and there was some conversation, but they just liked Dante and a couple guys, you know, Jackson Arnold, Chris Vazina better. Mm-hmm. And so then of course, from there, they then winded down all the way down to Dante. And so uh, when you look at Ricky, I wouldn't be shocked if Notre Dame reached out. I haven't been told that they will or won't. I, I wouldn't be shocked by it, but I don't think it would matter. And and right. Ryan you made a good point. Like, you know, look, the kid's clearly willing to leave the area, but I think it's not so much about a desire to play in Indiana as it is a, a loyalty to the program that that wanted him when nobody else wanted him. At least sure. none of the other big-time programs wanted him, and now that they all came around, he's not going to just bail on Purdue just because of that. And I I got to tell you, man, I have a, a great deal of respect for that, but it also shows me this is a smart kid mm-hmm. because with all due respect to the big names, and when you look at you know, for example, Georgia, Notre mm-hmm. Dame, have either one of those two schools shown you the ability to produce quarterbacks at a better rate than what Jeff Brom has done at Western Kentucky and Purdue? I mean, look well, what he's gonna, doing with walk-ons.
2: I, I was going to say I, I don't, I don't, I don't think we've ever talked about Jeff Brom, but I mean, I would want to play quarterback in the, Jeff Brom. System. The guy had a walk-on quarterback though for three thousand seven hundred eight yards and twenty-eight touchdowns last year,
1: and that kid would be fourth string at Notre Dame last yes. year yes i agree and he's almost agree. going for
2: four grand and he didn't even start the first like three games of the year because he jack pushed Plummer. yeah he pushed out um i mean aiden o'connell pushed out jack Plummer, who's a much yes. more talented player i mean it, yeah. it's it's the cerebral qualities right where right. the jeff Brom? to your point right right so yeah so
1: before we dive into the film i do want to bring in john garcia to the show john welcome buddy doing? Yeah, it's good, man. It's been a while. So we are, you just picked the perfect time. We're getting ready to dive into film. I, I knew you were just kind of hanging out like, well, I'm gonna wait till they start watching film. <laughs> uh, so we're talking about Austin sad. and we're kind of going through his recruitment and sort of his ascension into the rankings, him becoming a top player, you know, possible guys that Notre Dame could look at. We're talking about Ricky Collins and his loyalty to Purdue. So we're getting ready to jump into Austin sad's film. But John, before we did that, I did want to give you first a chance to kind of speak to You know, kind of what you've seen. Obviously, there's the film, but then there's the the summer workouts. You've had a chance to see him up close and personal. What are the things that stood out from you, and what's some some of the things you've heard about Austin Nova when you were out at
4: the Elite Eleven? Well, the first time I saw him was at the regional, uh, I believe in Dallas, and that day he set the accuracy mark uh, in the pro day script that they work out with with these guys. No senior threw more accurately throughout that regional tour than he did. I think he hit a 22. The only guy who beat him was CJ Carr. I was getting ready to bring that up. Thank you, John. You read my mind. (laughs) He he hit a 23. So yeah, those are kind of, kind of the two guys from the accuracy standpoint. And and that really carries over, you know, not the biggest, most athletic, you know, livest arm, but man, just so consistent. And, And there's a lot of mobility. There's a competitiveness with him. And I think that's the biggest takeaway is, is you talk to him and, He's just a different kid. He's kind of going to do his own thing. Uh, and I think that's why his recruitment is so unique, because you you think about some of the programs that are after him and he's committed to Baylor. And then Ohio State and AM are, are aggressively trying to flip him. So optically, you're like, OK, he's going to flip. But then you talk to him and you're like, I don't know, man, if any kid's going to stick with Baylor, it would be this kid, even though he's an AM legacy, even though Ohio State, you know, quarterback wise, has been doing whatever it wants at, at the position. Um, so I was curious to see how he would react to Notre Dame because mm-hmm. Georgia tried to come in, a couple other schools have tried to come in, and he kind of he kind of said no thanks. So again, mm-hmm. he, he's his own kid. Um, so Notre Dame coming in, I thought was would be quite interesting. I'm just getting a few messages from him this morning and, and this afternoon, and he's definitely gonna vet Notre Dame. there's there's no doubt about it. The, the, the question mark becomes, how much does this push his timeline? Because really he was trying to lock something in, you know, make a final call this month, right. if possible. So, I, And that I was it,
1: Notre Dame's hold off on offering him, is they didn't want to offer him, and then he wasn't willing to, you know, like you said, go through the process with them and then make a decision in five days, you know, to shut it down, take, you know, go to Ohio State or shut it, you know, flip the A&M or go with Baylor. So that was part of Notre Dame's vetting process as well. One thing I want to add too is, from what I'm told, from a couple of different sources, part of the reason Baylor was his initial choice, and he is a little bit more interested in than others, is he is a, a, a very strong Christian. You know, faith very strong. Uh, I should say very strong with his faith, right? It's very important to him, and that's part of the thing he liked about Baylor. Baylor is a Christian, is a Baptist school. It's wow. a Christian yeah. school. Notre Dame obviously is a Catholic school, which is different than, than Baptist, right? But still, a school of that where faith is something that is is emphasized. And so, I've been told that that's that's also something that's going to play not maybe the the determining factor, but will be part of the weighing his options process for Austin. From what I've told John, I don't know if that's something that you can add speak to or or what, but
4: that's something I've been told too. Yeah, he he's he brought that up uh, organically a couple of times with me, including you know back in in, in the spring when we only talked about Baylor because there was really no other threat at the time. Yeah, he said that was one of the reasons that that he picked the Bears, and that's part of the reason why there was confidence in Waco even with A coming in where both of his parents went. There was still confidence in, in in Baylor holding them off. I think Ohio State was the one they began to worry about, and now obviously Notre Dame is is in that same light. So I do think. That will be quite interesting down the stretch, comparatively. Um, and, and look, you know, obviously not every kid is Catholic that's on the Notre Dame roster. I think that's uh, that's not a secret or anything like that. So I, I think that a lot aren't. Yeah, a
1: yeah. lot of them aren't. I mean, they've right. they've had right. Muslim kids, Mormon kids, Christian kids. I mean, it's not a prerequisite. You don't have to. Mm-hmm. You don't have to take religion classes at Notre Dame. That's something that people have used to negatively recruiting against Notre Dame in the past you have to be Catholic. You have to take these religion classes. Yeah. And it's like, no, no, you don't. <laughs> you, you know, uh, I just find it funny that people have tried to use that. But uh, John, let's, let's talk a little bit about him as a player. Uh, and we're going to pull up the film here and we're going to break it down. So the next part of this sort of look at Aunt Austin Novosad is going to be our film room. So I want to do want to pull up his film uh, and, and dive into that as we're talking so people can get a good sense of, of what this kid is all about. So we're going to We're going to let him take center stage. We don't all, not everybody has to look at us. So let's dive into this guys and just kind of John share your thoughts and Ryan and I will continue to, uh, to, to share ours as well when you watch them. But first thing you're going to 2 things for me guys that I notice is like you said, number one, not a, not a big bazooka arm, but he throws one of the best deep balls in this class, in my opinion.
4: And he does it without utilizing his whole body. He's not the biggest guy in the world, 6'2", I don't know, 185, 190 or whatever it is. A lot of these guys at the Elite 11 in particular really like have to utilize their core, their lower half, and you almost see it uh, when, when they get rid of the football. I, I think with Austin, it is relatively natural. The motion is quick enough. It actually is, looks a little quicker uh, than we're seeing here on tape. I think he's tightened up. He he's sped it up. Yeah. yeah, just just a little bit, as as you would expect from that natural progression. And I think kind of the underrated element is is the mobility. I think he can work the RPO game, keep a defense honest to a degree. Um, and he didn't have to do it a whole lot on Friday nights, but in some of these drills and situations where you're designed to be uncomfortable, you see him on the move here a little bit. You know, he looked very comfortable uh, outside on the pocket, even rolling left. Uh, some of the more difficult. Uh, situations they tried to put him in. There were times where he looked better than C.J. Shroud and Bryce Young yeah. in some of these drills. So I, I think there's a lot of uh, kind of unknown uh, with with Austin that that really works. But on the surface level, quick trigger, quick processor, accurate, protects the football, and he's productive. I mean, what, that's that's kind of the foundation, right? That's we get away from that a little bit, but. When we're talking quarterbacks, production needs to be talked about as almost as much as possible, in my
1: mind. I think I think there's a couple of things for me. Number one about the throwing motion. I think what I saw on film from him as a junior, his throwing, his his throwing motion, his body, it was almost like a dead ringer for how Jack Cohn throws a football at Notre Dame this past year. Now, when you watch his summer film, his motion has changed. He doesn't look like Jack anymore. And, and when I watch it, John. I think number one, I think he does use his core a little bit better in the seven on seven events, and and this is true for a lot of kids. It's a, it's easier to kind of really get into the you know plant your feet and drive when there's no pass rush and there's not a game being played. The other thing too is the ball's jumping out of his hand a lot more uh, with a lot more explosiveness this summer than in this than in the fall. Which again, when you look at the the release was a little bit longer in the fall, when you have to muscle up a little bit to get more zip on the ball. It's gonna it's gonna lengthen your throwing motion. So when his as his arm, I think, has gotten stronger as he's physically matured. I think that's another thing that allowed him to speed up his release, is he doesn't have to put as much, you know, emphasis on it with his upper body. And I think those two things are are partly why his release has been sped up. But then the other thing is this this throw right here. His feel for ball placement is really good. Like this ball has to be on the back hip. If he leads this guy, it's getting picked off. Or it's getting batted down. This has to be a back shoulder throw. And his touch on the on the deep balls too, John, he is about as good as I've seen as putting that sucker on that outside shoulder. His timing, I mean, he's throwing the ball here. This kid's not even into his break yet. Watch this corner. he's not even here. stepping into it. That's what right. I like.
4: Right. I'm like, that's a quick trigger. I'm like, get the ball there regardless of the mechanics at some point. Right. Which you have to do, of course. Right. This,
1: this is another example. I mean, just his ball placement as a passer is really impressive to where if he does continue to see a jump in arm strength, that's going to make it more effective because now he's going to be able to get even more of those balls over the top. The other thing too, John, for a guy that doesn't have like a bazooka for an arm, he's a pretty gritty thrower. He's got, there's some game film out there where he's taking chances. I mean, he he's going to throw the ball into tight coverage. He's going to put that sucker over the middle. And and, uh, there's a lot of talent. Like I said, there's a lot of there's a lot of armed talent here, even if he doesn't have necessarily the the Jaden Rashada, Nico, uh, you know, Eli Holstein, just arm power. He's got a lot of armed talent, in my opinion.
4: Yeah. And he's he's confident I think Mm -hmm. that's, you know, we talk about ball distributors, point guards on the field, all that. And and it's kind of a negative connotation, like, oh, he's efficient, blah, blah, blah. He's confident, and like you mm-hmm. said, he takes those chances. That was one of my first notes uh, before the Elite 11. I was kind of doing like a preview, and I was like, man, he, he really trusts his arm, and he'll throw a guy open at the high school mm-hmm. level. Just things that you don't really see as much, and I, I think mm-hmm. that has to do with his roster. It's not you – know, I mean, Dripping Springs is not Austin-Westlake yeah. or Southlake. He's not Lake throwing Nero. to Braylon
1: James and yeah. Jaden Greathouse in high them. school. Yeah,
4: yeah. Like, which is a good
1: thing. <laughs> right. Right. This is another one that I like. This is just he does a lot of this stuff. Ryan. Ryan, what are some things that kind of as you watch through this film and as you've watched through Austin? I know you you started watching him before Ryan and I started watching this kid's film a couple of weeks ago uh, when he was kind of put on our radar. What are some things that you're seeing and that pop out to you, Ryan, when you when you watch this kid on film?
2: Yeah, I mean, I like John's John's point about, you know, he's he's kind of – he's a little bit of a flat-footed thrower right now, mm-hmm. right? And, and there's a natural progression that's going to happen from a strength perspective because, I mean, again, like John said, he's 185-190 soaking wet right now. There's a natural strength aspect that's going to improve as he just keeps filling out his body. But I think what you see – and I reason I think that his arm strength is going to take a huge jump – is when he's working quick game or he's working some RPO concepts that kind of force his weight forward and to distribute forward, I think that you see the ball come out with a lot mm-hmm. of juice. And yeah. I think that he just gets a little comfortable in that back foot when he's working a little bit of a deeper drop or out of the gum without play action. But even on that last one you saw, like when he's able to kind of step into it off of the play action move, like that ball is coming out of his hand quickly. Yeah. And it's got a lot of velocity behind it. So he has the baseline. He obviously has great ball placement to him, and I think that his arm strength is going to take a huge jump. I, I kind of put into the piece this week on the mailbag, Brian. He reminds me as a thrower, and again, I'm not predicting this kid's going to be the first pick in the draft, but he reminds me of Jared Goff a little bit as far as a thrower, and I think Jared Goff kind of gets that same designation as a, you know, he's not a strong-armed passer; he's just kind of a, a guy that's a, a solid distributor and doesn't take a lot of bad, you know, bad chances. But he, I think that that there's a m- big misnomer there because if you watch Jared Goff, Jared Goff has a live arm; the ball comes out of his hand mm. well, and that's what I see with this kid. He might not be the fleetest of foot, he might not be Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen arm strength, but I think when he kind of gets his mechanics together and he continues to fill out, that ball is just going to continue to jump off his hand even even quicker than it already does.
1: I'll take I'll take college version of Jared Goff, <laughs> right? One hundred percent, one
2: hundred percent.
1: Sign me up, brother. I'll take that in a heartbeat. <laughs> No question. I think the thing I like two guys about him and we've talked about ball placement and accuracy and, and John, I think you, you know, Ryan, I think you pointed out he's not a really, he's not a great athlete, but John, I think you also pointed out that, but he uses his feet in the pocket really effectively. And if you do leave a crease, he will step up and run into it, which I, I, I you don't have to be a great athlete. Tom Brady has shown this. You don't have to be a great athlete to be really good in the pocket. Peyton Manning was, I'm not comparing the kid to Peyton Manning and, and, and Tom Brady, you're, you, you get my point. But but is you don't have to be a great athlete to have great pocket mobility. And I think that's he has a really good feel for the game. And that's what we talked about before you joined, John, is Notre Dame. And I think a lot of schools are, are putting a premium on high IQ football players. And you're watching this kid as a junior in high school banging corner routes before guys are not only out of their break, before they're into their break. And he's just putting it out there with touch. You saw the one later in the film where he literally, because there's a rush, He kind of drops that ball out towards the sideline, and the kid runs underneath it with a a safety, a linebacker, and a corner, like all kind of triangling that that route. That's the kind of stuff you look for on film. Does this kid show the anticipation? Uh, Can this kid – does this kid – is he able to just get the ball out in space and let his receivers go make plays? If he's showing that kind of confidence in his receivers at Dripping Springs – What's he going to be like if he gets a a Braylon James, a Ronan Hannafin, a a Jaden Greathouse, a Rico Flores, a Tobias Merriweather, who I think right now, I think SIL American is the only outlet that had Tobias Merriweather properly ranked last year. Uh, But he's going to have guys, Eli Raritan, Holden Stace. I mean, he's going to have those. What kind of confidence is he going to have when he's got those kind of cats? And I think that's, that's when he also started to, to jump as he plays on that 7-7 on team, I believe with Braylon James and, and mm-hmm. Jaden Craythouse and guys like that. And that's from, you know, talking to some people, that's kind of when his game started to started really get noticed. Because you talked about this, John, even at the Elite 11 in Dallas, he wasn't a kid that had all these high schools or these colleges coming after him. It wasn't until yeah. he got deeper into the summer that people were like, oh, oh, this cat can play. This cat's pretty good. And that's when you saw his recruitment blow up, even that, with other un- uncommitted boy. guys.
4: That's a great point because we, we were there in Dallas and look, that's a loaded camp every year, right? And and Jackson Arnold's throwing off his back foot, looking amazing, and then some of these other guys, um, JJ Cole was there, Flores was there, the, the Oki State commit. And then you just kind of were like, Who's this blonde dude? Like he just mm-hmm. keeps he keeps ripping in. They're like, Oh, that's the Baylor commit. And then like by hour three, you're like, Okay, yeah, this the Baylor commit is gonna lead this thing, and then we, mm-hmm. we'll go from there with the rest of the evaluation. And I think, yeah, he's, he just kind of sneaks up on you. And and I think you mentioned a great point, Brian, um, when you start to think about his projection at the next level, regardless of where he ends up, but particularly Notre Dame and, and the style of receiver they're bringing in, there's some size variants, but there's a lot of bigger guys, right? Bigger, mm-hmm. longer ball skill kind of guys. When you throw with confidence and anticipation, what does that open up? 50, 50 balls, back shoulder right. balls. Uh, some, some of those just, You and me locked in as a quarterback and receiver. No one else is even on our same page, but we're going to work this defensive back based on his leverage down and distance, the sidelines, et cetera. And so I think he can kind of exhibit some of those things. And then the second thing is back at the Elite 11 finals, the second day is my favorite day. It's the pro day script. Every single quarterback, whether he's a college kid or a high school kid, works the same 20 throws. And Novosad had, like, the hottest run within those 20 throws. I think he hit we, – we chart one, two, three. Three is the perfect throw. Two is on target but not perfect. One is just a miss. He had the streak of the most threes in a row. I think he did seven in a row. So there's, like, there's a bit of jump shooter rhythm to, to this mm-hmm. kid's game, which when you start to pair with the confidence and the efficiency, it, it kind of works really, really nicely together. And he he becomes kind of this modern quarterback projection, even though he's not – the most fleet of foot, uh like like we talked about. So there's there's a confidence with him that's kind of quiet, which is good. Uh and it certainly fits fits Notre Dame to a T. Uh, but I think that's why like he's just still hot on, on the trail. People are just digging into it more and like, oh man, we missed on this kid. We need to jump in as, as soon as possible. And again, he's he said no thanks to a few uh yeah. in between some of these, oh that's yeah. great. Let me post this offer on Twitter. He's had a couple big time no thanks, which which t- tells me a lot about him off the field as well.
1: Can I say something about JJ Cole? He's the most disappointing quarterback in this class. How is how is Cole's kid not a kicker? And he's 6'6".
4: Six, six. How is he not
1: a kick His dad literally runs a kicking camp and he's a quarterback? Like come on. No, he's actually a really good quarterback. I saw him yes. uh what was it? I think it was at the um was it at the Ohio? I think it was at the Ohio uh um Under Armour like not this past April but the April before with Dante Moore, and, and I mean, I'm watching him play and I'm like, this kid's got a pretty live arm. Dante was the best kid at that event. I liked Brady Allen too. but Like I watched JJ Cole look a whole lot better than I think that's the event he was. I saw him in an event. I think that's the one that he was at. He looked a whole lot better than, you know, the Taven Jackson kid that's going to Tennessee and some of those other kids. He's good. He's oh, good. Yeah, he, and he's gotten bigger and stronger and his arm has gotten stronger. And we'll talk about that. But I just, I'm just disappointed. He's not a kicker or punter. I'm just really <laughs> disappointed in that. Uh, when you know who the, his dad is.
4: Size yeah, guy. yeah. I mean, it's, um, so it's like
1: it's what his dad quick, does.
4: Just, just got another DM from Austin. Um, I asked, I was like, Hey, um, are you still trying to do something here in July or, or is this gonna slow mm-hmm. things down? And he said, Quote, I'm not sure yet. It might slow down a little just so I can yeah. get a real feel yeah. for the Notre Dame staff. So he's yeah. definitely going to vet. This offer Dig as it. much as he could. I, I don't know if he'll get up for a visit or anything like that. Yeah. But um, you know, he, he's definitely going to try to allow Tommy Reese and those guys right. to, to help him catch up on, on Notre it, Dame. But and he that does have fits, a business remaining. So yeah, we'll... and it and it fits with the the what
1: what we know of where Notre Dame is coming from. They're not just going to start throwing out offers to kids unless they genuinely feel number one they like him and the number two there is at least a genuine interest in taking this to the next level in some capacity and so that's why I think they're also going to be slower than the offer I think Notre Dame fans are waiting for Notre Dame to throw out like 15 offers to the next 15 best quarterbacks and that's just not how they're going to play this game so um, that is going to be part of it so let's jump guys into uh, the next player and that's Kenny Minchie and I think flat out one of the most underrated players in the country. And, you know, Amen. we actually did a breakdown of him last year in March or I think it was May when Notre Dame's board was evolving. It's like a lot, not this past May, but like 14 months ago, May. And I remember watching this film. That and I'm, I love this kid. He just doesn't have the physical tools of the other guys. I called him a tier two guy because he, he had a great feel for the game. But at the time, the ball just didn't really jump out of his hand. He was like maybe six feet tall. And I really like this film. And then you fast forward to his junior year and then this summer. And he's, you know, I, I talked to somebody uh, close to the Irish program and uh, and who's familiar with like what they're doing. And he said when he checked, he worked out at Notre Dame's camp last year and they liked him a lot. But he was like barely six feet tall. And and now he's closer to six two. he's grown over an inch. He's really I mean, he looks like a bowling ball. I mean, he's this lower half is like really thick. His arm has jumped a ton from his sophomore to junior year, and I'm watching that kid play now. I'm like, that's a top 200 football player. Like, I'm that's a that is there is no doubt that is at least a top 200 football player uh, that's committed. He's a pit commit. Uh, I I don't think he's necessarily looking to leave pit. I think it's a it's a it's it's just if the right program comes along, this is a kid that would entertain it. I, I know that Notre Dame and him have talked. That's all I can tell you. At this point in time, there's another, you know, we'll see kind of where it goes next. But I don't think he's necessarily a kid that's looking to leave. But look, he goes to Pope John Paul II. That last I checked, that's Catholic, right? But it's also the home of Golden Tate. So Mm -hmm. there's obviously some connection there. That's where Golden Tate played high school. So, and he's a kid that's worked out at Notre Dame and visited Notre Dame and, you know, in the past for camps. He's a very intriguing player, John, because he is a guy that's going to be very under the radar, but every time I read a report about Elite 11, everybody would always have to throw in a Kenny Minchie reference from from that event. What are your thoughts on him?
4: Yeah, kind of similar to Austin. Like you just watch the event and he's just there. He just forces his hand there. It's not with any one head turning physical trait. It's just a combination. Uh, And he's so darn productive and consistent. I mean, I think – He started off, uh, we ranked every kid every day. I think he was ninth the first day, seventh the second day, fifth the third day, finished fifth. We do a composite of like, hey, this is how it was all week. And he finished fifth. I mean, nobody would have predicted that going into the Elite 11, but that's just kind of who Kenny Minchie is. And I, I like that you brought up that he was a little bit shorter before because you watch him throw. Um, and, and look, he's extremely productive. He's got some good mobility, but look at the higher release point. You can mm-hmm. tell that early in his development, they were like, "Hey, uh, I, we need you closer to ninety degrees than than uh, than the typical three quarter release." There. Um, so as he's grown taller now, it kind of comes together much more smooth and a little bit more natural looking. But the trigger is, is pretty quick here, and the competitiveness really showed up. Um, just super consistent. This was a. Uh, a poor choice of my angle to shoot uh, at the Elite 11 because the <laughs> sun was, was beating me up a little bit, California style. But you still get the gist of what was happening. I mean, look at that on the run, uh, seven cut towards the front pylon. Look at that guys, lower
1: half, though, guys. A lot of guys struggle
4: with it. And that's the other thing. He strikes you with that physicality. And it shows yes. up. It's, nothing looks hard for him. I mean, he, he just kind of. He's not sweating. He's just kind of there in motion. He's just like one of those jump shooters that you're like, man, this. he's not even working hard, and then he's got 30 points at the end of the night. Um, so If, I, I like if you that look thing. at – I just
1: want to interrupt you real quick, John, with this clip because this is – John masterfully took this video, so we're going to point it out. <laughs> if you looked at Kenny Minchie from the waist down, you'd think he was like a running back or a linebacker. I mean, he's got a really thick lower half. That's important for a quarterback because that's where a lot of that power comes from. you got a really strong lower half – you're going to have a more natural drive to where you don't have to force yourself to push off that back foot because you have that natural. It's like a leaper, right? Like some guys can leap 36 inches, but they've got to put everything they have into jumping 36 inches. Some guys can jump 36 inches like it's nothing. And if they really tried, they're going to 40, right? That Same thing with a quarterback. If you have a very strong lower half, then you don't have to force yourself to drive off that back leg as much because you already have that natural lower body strength. And so that's why I put this out. If you look at his core and his lower body, he's got a very thick, strong lower body, which is going to lead to him being a player that's going to have a really powerful lower half and it's also going to result in him being a guy that can really stand steady in the pocket as well when when pressure comes, which is something you're going to want to look for with a kid who maybe doesn't have that 6-5, you know, see over the field, that kind of thing. It's and and so I think those are things that that I that this film gives us a really good example of that maybe we might not be able to see on just normal high school film taken from the you know the top of the stadium. So I wanted to point that part of his game out too. But a very, John, you point out, very clean, compact release. And because he's got the the, the way his release is, he's, I think it helps with the accuracy. But what I like about him too, and we're going to see this on film as we pull it up, guys, this is a kid also that can play off-platform really effectively. And he's got some gun. He When you watch him in Elite 11, you see one kid. You see the the like you said he this kid's been coached on how to play quarterback.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Brian Smith, we were talking earlier, had mentioned that he got unprompted had people reaching out about good this kid is on the board. Like this is a wicked smart smart kid. Our sources have also told us that like one of the things they like about him is this kid this kid's got as high of a football IQ as anybody in the class. That's something that I was told a while ago and it was reiterated to me again recently. Uh, so the the mind is there, but the thing I like about him is you see the 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 compact the fundamentally sound kid on film at elite 11 then you pop in the game film and you see a kid that's got some street ball in him too and that's what i love i love quarterbacks can do both i can sit in the pocket and pick you apart if you make me but if if i if you want to get me off script i can play some street ball too that's what i love in a quarterback and he's got some of that in him too and we're going to see that as we as we pop up his his junior
4: film here in a second
2: and he's got great hair, too. Don't, don't, yes. don't leave the it most of out. Absolutely.
4: Yes. It should yes. Be <laughs> he, he just, like – he again, he sneaks up on you, but his demeanor is the same. I mean, mm-hmm. these other kids are, like – they miss a ball, and they're like, oh, man, they're cursing. They're, you know, like Jaden Rashada's like, putting his hands on his head when he misses a ball. Caleb Williams is, like, yelling at Quincy Avery. Like, all these guys are so different personality-wise. Kenny Minchie is, like, he's just – sitting in the car, you know, waiting in a drive-thru line. He's just kind of hanging out, no matter the setting. And I thought that was really interesting. And at the regional, it was in Tennessee. It was like the hottest regional, hotter than Texas, that we went to. Like Nico Iamali, I was like puking. It's, it's that hot, right? So, again, even that day, Kenny Minchie is just kind of there. Just demeanor never changes. Just kind of even keel. And, and leaving that workout it was between him and Malachi Singleton that we're like, yo, these are the best two of of the day uh, here. Chris Parson was, was there as well it was a really loaded uh, Nashville regional. And even, even when he got the call, Kenny was just like, okay, like, he's just like, yeah, I should, I should have got the call. You know, there's just no kind of rattling or shaking him even on a day where even the, the coaches were like, this is an absurdly hot day. I mean, you just, you never got any emotion out of Kenny. And I, I thought that was, Especially on that day, I thought that was a big deal because I definitely went straight to Target and bought like six Gatorades after that camp.
1: Who was another quarterback that was really good at that Tennessee camp on that really hot day? Was super accurate. Who 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 was another one of those guys? In oh, game? it was a
4: young kid. I forget. Kid from Michigan,
1: uh, right? TJ, He's TJ. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Oh, CJ Carr. That's it. Yeah. That's what it he, he is. He was
4: the best there that day.
1: Like you wrote either. that. I actually have the article that you wrote at the time. You, you know, because you said because you made a note in there, like just so y'all know, this kid's not going to the finals because he's a he's a junior and they don't invite juniors. <laughs> but this was the best kid at the game today. So yeah. you, you did note that. You did like other that. other
4: quarterbacks were watching CJ and they were like Oh, my goodness. Can you slow down? Like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get written down. about today. And, and <laughs> CJ was just, he was just on it, man. It was just yeah. the best. I've, I've seen him two or three times live, and this was, like, yeah. the best by such a wide margin. And it wasn't because he was bad the other days. He was, just, he was just on that day. It was just one of those days. John, but, you
2: spent a little bit of time. Sorry, Brian. Just to, no, go for to it. real quick. I know you were talking a little bit about just kind of the – the personality of a Kenny Minchie, you know, he's just kind of like the Austin Nova said too, he's he's kind of there and he just kind of even keel and he's got that conversation to for Notre Dame fans out there, I think they would like to hear what what was um because you've been around obviously CJ in that type of event too. What was CJ's vibe just to kind of get maybe a difference of an opinion from one person to the next? Yeah,
4: yeah. CJ was just kind of business like he he mm-hmm. you know he showed emotion. He knew when he was on uh if he did miss one, you know, he he certainly Gave himself a little bit of a of, of run for it, but uh, it was very businesslike. I mean, he's just a postured. He's just polished, man. You he, he just you can just tell that he's just been there and done that to the point where, again, you were like, man, this kid can go compete. Everyone's talking about this year is like the year of the quarterback. And everyone there was like, yeah, he can go throw with these guys like and right. I mean, he grossly out throw out through Iomaliaba that day. Um, It was just it was just a clinic and he approached it very businesslike. But there is there's some emotion there. There's certainly confidence there Mm -hmm. that's a little bit more outward compared to an Austin Novosad, yeah. but it's not, it's not like to the highest degree where it's, you know, arrogant or anything right. like that. There's, there's, there's a lot of pro to to CJ's game and his build. He looked so, so big that day. Uh, He's filled out him, from where he was in the winter. And as a, as a sophomore, I saw him in January backing up Dante Moore at a seven on and um, he was kind of skinny. He was a little skinnier. Looked like, um, looked like he was a younger guy, which he is still, But then in Nashville, I think that was the end of May, he looked filled out. Like he looked like he could, you know, take Mm -hmm. a a college uh, script right now physically and and get through it uh, without, you know, worrying about his health. So I thought that was encouraging. He just looked better. He looked bigger. Again, that posture, the professionalism, everything just kind of came together for him that day.
1: Let's start. Let's get back to Kenny. Uh, I'm always about – going off target if we're gonna talk about another name commit that's always allowed Ryan so uh, i'll allow it let's get back to uh, to kenny minchie though guys i do want to pop in his film because I, I think i think people are gonna like this and a lot of a lot of fans that have watched this film have kind of came away like who, i really like this kid so let's let's kind of dive through this guys what you're seeing uh, you know, obviously the 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 thing is you're going to see the mechanics like that right there. That's what you saw in the seven on seven. Right? I mean, at the elite, you know, really clean mechanics drives off that back foot. Ball just jumps over top, gets up and down in a hurry. That's the thing I like about this. This is touch. This ball goes about 50 yards, a little under. So about 45 yards, throws from the 45, it lands at about the 10. That's a, you know, it's a 45 yard throw with ease. So you see the clean mechanics here, but then you're going to see here in a second guys, when he starts playing off script and this kid can flat out make a lot of plays off script.
2: Well, I I love the fact that for me, we we looked at Austin's film and Kenny's different in the fact that his lower body does all the work for him. You know, like the, the release is clean and compact. But it's also like there's not a lot of wasted movement up top. You know, everything kind of stays in line from the pocket perspective. And, I mean, hats off to this coaching staff at his high school because he has some of the cleaner mechanics that I've seen in of any 2023 quarterback. He really stays composed. He stays aligned. And his lower body is what really does most of the work for him.
4: Right. Yep. There's an ease to this kid. Mm-hmm. Like his his motion is cleaner at the same stage, but – Kind of reminds me a bit of Jalen Hurts, where it's just like it seems like nothing bothers him. Guys, he, he throws got, this ball I just, I from imagine.
1: the forty. Right, I just want to to, to what John. You're, I want to I want to get you back on track, but I, I think you said what you just said at the perfect time. He throws this ball from the forty yard line, and he's flicking it like it's like it doesn't look like he's really doing much. Look how slow, not slow. Look how methodical. I, I guess that kind of ref, it, the ease with which he kind of goes to the throwing zone on this throw. Right. I mean, and, he, and it, it goes 40 yards w- with no problem getting up and down in a hurry.
4: Man, that to, backside to safety point. had no chance. No. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All
1: right. So, so, John, back back to your I just wanted to point out like an example of it. So please get back to what you're saying about the ease, because I think those clips were, were really good examples of that.
4: Yeah, just like 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 Ryan was saying, the lower body dominance really shows up, but there's there's just an ease on top of it that just kind of looks like he's hanging out. Um, and, and I love that. that. That Like I said, that reminds me a bit of watching Jalen Hurts back in the day. Um, but obviously, Kenny, uh, more polished from a passing standpoint mechanically. I mean, it's probably not even close uh, to, to between the two. Of course, Jalen was a great runner and as strong a, as a quarterback as, as we've probably ever uh, evaluated. But mm-hmm. I think the, the thing with Kenny is a whole lot of third-level stuff right you know he's he's known to be consistent and the demeanor and all that there's a whole lot of third level stuff and it's all over the place outside the numbers, down the seams. this is an uh, over I, 35
1: I, yard pass post route that, that that doesn't even get off the screen guys I mean it barely gets any trajectory that's how easily he throws this ball I mean it gets over top, but like i I don't think people understand how like, this was kind of my problem when I first watched him too John is sometimes guys with that ease of throwing can kind of mask just how well they're throwing it. You know what I mean? Like this is yeah. not as easy of a throw with the kind of velocity he makes it that that it looks on film.
4: And he had to, he had to because the DB broke before the receiver on that play, right. and yep. he still he still fitted in. DB's breaking now, mm-hmm. and and he got it there. I mean, he took a horrible yeah. angle, but he broke first, uh, so he had to put a little bit more mustard on it uh, to to get it there on time. And
2: I love how how live his arm is too, because you can see like when it it makes contact with the wide receiver's hands, you can just see some guys, the ball kind of fades at the end a little mm -hmm. bit, you know, but the ball is consistent velocity. I mean, we talked about a couple of those throws that was like 40, 45 in the air, and they're kind of on Mm -hmm. ropes. Like it's not, he's not putting a ton of touch on these balls. I really do think that we're going to underrate kind of the liveness of this kid's arm. I think he, I think he has some pace to him.
1: And that's why that lower body is, that's why I focus on that strong lower body earlier guys is because he doesn't have to, power juice up the upper body like we were pointing out with nova said, you know he he's a skinnier kid he has to kind of maybe juice up that upper body a little bit more i want to go back to these running clips here real quick because neither of these kids are really runners kenny can run but he's more of a chain mover type of runner he's a good athlete but he's not a runner he is yep. a pocket passer that you know, he could run a read zone on third and five pull it and pick up a first down right or if you drop eight he can tuck it and run he's not He's not Brandon Wimbush. He's not Everett Golson. He's not Deshaun Kaiser, Malik Zaire. He is a pocket passer that also happens to be a a decent athlete, in my opinion. Anybody want to disagree
2: with that that point about his game? No, I I would say that I I really wouldn't – so he's not the same player as C.J. Stroud, obviously, but like as a runner, I think they kind of are comparative in that way where C.J. Stroud's not a guy that you're going to design a ton of stuff with, but when he wants to, chooses to run, he can pick up a third and five with his legs. Like he's He got needs that to actually do
1: that players. more in my opinion. Oh, 100%. 100%. I, if you go back 100%. and watch C.J. Stroud's high school film compared to what he did last year, he he needs to step up. He He was looking like Dwayne Haskins at times last year as far as just unwillingness to run. He's a much better athlete than Dwayne Haskins was. Yes. Uh, so I think that needs to become an even bigger part of this game. This is one tell, of my favorite. Tell that throws. to
2: Stephen A. Smith. Oh, no,
1: don't! Smith. Oh my God! I gonna be started. <laughs> this is one of my favorite throws, guys, because this is mechanically something you never teach. He is stepping basically left to middle, and he sees this guy coming open, and he just throws it out. Outside I mean, the numbers,
4: too. Yes, that's hard. That's hard.
1: This yeah. was saying this is this. Is what we're talking about off platform. This is exactly what we're talking about. His motion changes. His footwork is not there. But he's, he's looking left, and he sees this kid come open. Actually sees it a little bit later, but is able to react to it so quickly. But look at – I mean, to get that ball out there that way, that is an impressive, impressive throw, guys.
2: And, and to John's point, too, it's outside the numbers. So that defender had no chance of that ball yeah. either. Like, it was in a clean spot.
1: Yeah. I like this throw right here. This is – a, I mean, this is some gas. Right this is gas right here, guys, and he's doing it with ease. It's a 20-yard ball that he just throws like it's nothing. And now you go watch his sophomore film and he's one of those kids, John, that you're like, that's not the same kid. I got I'm watching the wrong film. That's not the same kid.
4: He <laughs> just another one kind of like kind of like that outside the numbers ball right. off platform mm-hmm. uh to his strong side, and he still got it 30 yards through the mm-hmm. air on a rope, like Ryan said. I mean, there's mm-hmm. not a whole lot of hang time with, with some of these balls, and, and that's warranted more times than not.
1: But there's still touch on it. That's the that's yep. the unique thing that that I that I really like. It's not like he's throwing line drives that. You know, like John, some of those throws. Like if you try to line drive that thirty-five yard post route, the DB on this film took a bad angle. But you know, if that's Peyton Bowen or you know, or 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 Caleb Downs, that ball's getting picked, right? You've got, but he's able to get that velocity. But he gets it up and down. That's a key. I love the timing here of this throw. Look at how he
4: buys more time here with this little bound right here. Mm -hmm. Just because the receiver's just a little slow out of his break, but he's wide open. Yep. It's little things, and he's he's just got a maturity to, to yep. his game. And like you said, huge jump, huge jump sophomore to junior year, which is what you should see. by the right. way. Like that should be right. where it starts to click for, for most of these guys. Um, so yeah, good, good eval, honestly, to, to push for Pitt. I mean, when he committed, yeah. I remember um, looking at his offer list, like, man, this kid should have more. Um, but yeah. Good on them for getting on. Yeah. They've done a pretty good job at that position.
1: But that's going to happen in years like this, John, there's just so many quarterbacks that it's kind of like some guys are going to get missed, especially a kid like him. Like you said, this is another off platform play that I love steps in the pot, protect the ball better. That's a criticism I have. Come on, man. Don't, don't let that ball get out there like that. Uh, But you're going to miss kids in a class this deep. I mean, John, you and I have talked about it a million times. Ryan and I have talked about it a million times. This is one of the deepest quarterback classes I've ever seen. Mm, I mean, and it's not just deep with five stars. It's deep, deep. It's deep period. There there's, I've seen 25, 30 kids. And I'm like, that gets a power five starter. Like and, and a good player, you know. Mm-hmm. Not all are Notre Dame level and Ohio State and Alabama level, but guys are like, man, if you know, boy, I think Vander was it Vanderbilt I saw some school that's got a kid. I'm like, man, that kid's a pretty good football player, you know. Austin Novosad just goes under the radar to Baylor, you know. Kenny Minchie goes to Pitt, and I'm looking at these kids can play. Look at the touch yep. there. We're talking about all this velocity, but look at this one. This is exactly the opposite. This is touch right here, timing and touch, and that's what he shows. That's a kid that's got a really high football IQ.
2: Brian, I know you said that this is uh, Golden Tate's former high school. What, what's the level here? Because I'm really it's, just overly impressed about what, just how mechanically sound he is yeah. for a high schooler.
1: I don't know what it's like now. When Golden played there, it was one of the worst I've ever seen. Gotcha. They have upped their schedule now. <laughs> like like They're playing better teams now. Uh, but when Golden played there, it was, it was, it was pretty terrible.
4: It's, it's yeah it's, it's still mid-level I mean yeah. some of those schools you know the school that ironically is the Irish on some of these highlights that's Knoxville Catholic they, they've had guys for a long time home they, of Har- yeah, they had a guy football. named
1: Harrison Smith from there he was he turned out to be pretty decent was not was not bad yeah
4: yeah um, and what's interesting about like you talked about the depth of this class uh Brian Tennessee the state of Tennessee's got like Four bona fide power five guys, and yeah. none of them were really ever considering Tennessee. I think that slowed down the process for some of these guys. They yeah. go out and get Nico, and then, like, Marcel Reed, who's going to Ole Miss, is there. Brock Glenn is still available there. He's, he's become a huge recruit. Uh, Kenny Menchie, Chris Parson. these guys are all in Tennessee, and the Vols weren't, like, pressing early yeah. I'm gonna. they were juniors for any of them, which is a red flag to a lot of other programs sometimes. I'm
1: going to so, say something about that run. when we're done, yeah. John, but I wanted to point out this play. This may not seem like much to y'all, but when I watch this throw, he's purposely throwing the ball where he threw it. And this is a, one of those foot smart, this is a smart quarterback because if he throws this ball where the running back is or the receiver is, it's a lateral. Mm-hmm. But he throws it where he wants the receiver to go to. And you can see that's where he's trying to throw it. You can see where his shoulders are. His feet are not there, but you can see where he's throwing it. He's trying to throw the ball right there. And he makes the receiver get downhill where it's not a lateral. That's just It may not seem like a big play to you, but to me, as a quarterback evaluator, I see something like that. I'm like, that's a smart football player. That's a kid that understands the game and just sees it that way. And I absolutely love that.
4: Same thing right there. Sam Backer blitz. He didn't even try to set his feet. He knew the slant would be there. Yep. Yep. leads them.
1: Yeah. And again, here's you see like look, he can move the chains if you need him to. He's not a kid you're going to be designing a bunch of runs for. He's he's a pocket passer. Yep. You know, he's not Tyler Buckner, he's not Everett Golson, he's not Malik, he's not Ian Book. You know, he's just a he's he's a pocket passer that can move the chains if you give him a crease, but he's not going to be a kid that's going to be going out there making a bunch of plays. Little, little Dak Prescott maybe? Yeah. Not as athletic, but yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean he's just Although Dak was a pretty good runner in college, but what he's Dak pr- is—he's still
2: he's still a pretty good runner with the with Dallas yeah. when he
1: when they need him to be. Gotta. This is one thing I do not like. He lets this ball get away from his body way too much, way too much. He's got to protect that ball better.
2: He's a playmaker, Brian. What yeah, playmaker? that's fine. You <laughs> can make. A, you just want to make sure that the plays
1: you're making are for your team. That's something I do like about Novosad is when he steps into the pocket, he does that. He does that dip and rip. You know, where he gets that ball tucked and held. That's something that's very important. That ball, literally in 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 the middle of five guys. This is one of those throws yep. that you're like, remember it's that fun. scene from Major League? Nice catch, <laughs> Hayes. Don't ever effing do it again. Like that. That's exactly what this throw is. But he makes it. You know, he makes Have you ever that seen play. The, uh,
2: have you ever seen there's a Mike Holmgren uh, clip of Brett Favre making a ridiculous throw like that? And he's just kind of like, don't, don't, don't. Oh, OK, cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Nice throw, Brad. <laughs> I guarantee you if
1: they had the NFL films on the sideline all the time, Dan Reeves probably said that about a million times and throws John Elway made. And I'm sure oh, Mike sure. Holmgren's got about a million of those of Brett Favre. Uh, th- there's no doubt. So, guys, that is that is Kenny Minchie on film. And I think you all see it. That that's a that's one of the more live arms you're gonna find. And I'm gonna be honest with you, I think Tennessee is gonna regret the decision that they made, in my opinion. Mm. They went for the guy that's got the elite physical tools and they passed up other kids who were just, in my opinion, better football players. And John, you know my Nico stance. Um we'll see if I'm right or wrong about that. I actually hope I'm wrong because he seems like a decent kid. You know, I mean he seems like a nice kid. I have nothing personal against him, but I just don't see what everybody else sees. And as you said, you've got to be able to lock down your home state if you're Tennessee. And the sign that, the, hey, you're going to go, not only are you going to pass on the kids from our state, you're going to pass on some pretty good players and you're going to go buy a kid from California. You know, I'm very curious how that's perceived by the folks in Tennessee. If it matters at all, maybe it doesn't matter, but I'm very curious how that's going to turn out. But I think they're going to end up regretting that, in my opinion, because like you said, those there's some good football players in the state of Tennessee
4: like and, and uh, there's so much more pressure on Nico. Now. Yeah. It's like yeah. if he's not the guy cuz Hendon Hooker's gone, right? right? After this year, is he does he have to be the guy day one? Uh if right. you brought in one of these in-state guys, you push a battle, maybe you bring in a grad transfer, you go kind of traditional with it and there's lower expectations, but going to LA and to get the most what should be the most polarizing quarterback. Arch is because of his name, but he apparently color, right?
1: apparently John if his name wasn't Arch Manning, he'd be a borderline two-star, according to the former head of recruiting at Rivals.
4: Yeah, former head, got it, got it. Yeah, yes. it's it's, it's, not, it's not quite that drastic. I mean, when you when you're That's built like Andrew Luck, and you're a four-year starter at that school with those traits, I, I think you're going right. to be okay. But yeah. borderline two stars yeah. is really really hard <laughs> Board- to, to digest but, that.
1: Here's uh, where but he goes
4: the most polarizing is my yes. point. Uh, yes. So if it doesn't work, we're going to know soon. Right. And that's really – it's Jared Guarantano all over again there yeah. when they just had to kind of force it, and it never worked. Um, but it's on a higher scale. Yes. Uh, so like you said – Because you know, the
1: money. Feel because of kid. the yeah, money.
4: Exactly, right. exactly. And the Jared same thing Guarantano. with Jane Rashada.
1: I mean, there's going to be so much more pressure on Jaden Rashada now because of the – the and, and we don't even know if it's true that he – I've been told he didn't get close to that much money. He got sure. money, but it wasn't like, you know, the the money that, that his agent or whoever's throwing around out there. You know what I mean? And that other was, people are throwing around. like That was so crazy. He was so the,
4: the, the nine and so a half mil or whatever it was. Because of that. Like yeah. he – the first day, he was shell-shocked because, like, he committed and that day – all those reports came out. And then like two days later, he's right. throwing in front of, you know, Trent Dilfer and all these guys. And man, he, he looked awful. And he'll tell yeah. you that he looked yeah. as bad as we've ever seen him. Uh, and That's then the pressure. 17
1: year olds should not have thrust on them in mind. And then opinion. he
4: got out by his fellow Miami commitment the rest right. of the way Emery Williams, right. who was, Another one of these that I think schools are going to make some phone calls about because he's profiled as qb right. for them. So right. it's going to be quite interesting. A lot of flips are going down. I wrote about that this morning. Oh, yeah. At SI. you There's did. going to be a lot I more read flips. It. There's only been five. There's going to be about yeah. five more. Flips. Oh, yeah.
1: Now, when I did have a question for you on that. Do you count a flip as someone who decommits and then later – like do you count Eli Holstein as a flip or is that just a decommitment and then chose another school? How do, how do you classify
4: I, I think, that? If it's relatively close, it feels like a flip. Um, And I think that was maybe, what, a month or something like that. I mean, if if it's relatively close, it feels like a flip. Um, But if it's like, you know, six months later or something like that, it's it's certainly not one of those. But, yeah, that one, uh, I I tell you what, Saban considers it a flip. That's for sure. Uh, Oh, especially who they flip them from. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't think any of them gotten a commitment since, like, all that went down. Yeah. It's really really not anybody
1: good. Not from anybody that's 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 mm-hmm. you know. But I also think too they brought they put the spotlight on themselves too with the whole we're not buying players thing. You know, it's was like, well, it's just, okay, you got all why, eyes on you why now. Why double down?
4: Why yeah. double down when you don't have? Yeah.
1: To. <laughs> well, and then what was the video that came out recently of the guy saying, "Hey, those people up there are gonna you know they're gonna was gonna you know are gonna get paid if you come here." It's like uh. <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah, just just a lot. It's just this this whole year like that. It's, it's just, just amazing to watch, honestly. Let, let's let's talk about these two kids
1: and just kind of where things stand. So to me, honestly, guys, people say, I like this guy better. I like that guy better. My stance is if you get one of these two kids in their name, you're set. You're good at quarterback in 2023. And I'm not saying they're going to get either. They may not get either. I think yeah. these are the two kids uh, we had heard about Brock Glenn. The thing I, I don't see Notre Dame really pushing for that one, John. And, and my thing is, I think that right now, Notre Dame is, a, is one of many schools that, that, that like Brock Glenn and they love the arm. But they're gonna they're gonna focus more on the kids maybe that have the higher floors, and I think that's the thing. Is Brock Glenn is one of the it, it, along with Nico in my opinion, and and I would say Nico has a higher ceiling. Certainly, yeah. they are the two with the most dramatic floor to ceiling ratios in this class. I think Jaden Rashada fits into that mold a little bit, although Jaden's different. I think Jade just needs to be coached. I think the tools are there. I just think he he hasn't gotten to coaching like you'd mentioned, like. Was or maybe was Ryan said, like, when you watch Kenny Minch, you're like, this kid's been coached how to play quarterback. Mm-hmm. If Jaden Rashada had the same quarterback coaching, we, we'd be talking about him a little bit differently, John. You know how high I am on Jaden Rashada's talent. He's just going to need more time because he's got to get coached. But the tools are there. But Brock Glenn is one of those interesting guys, John. And we're not going to dive into the film. I just want to give you a chance, kinda, you and Ryan a chance to speak on him because he is on their radar. Mm-hmm. I personally would go for the other two kids because I, I do think the floor is important in this quarterback class. And Brock's got a lot of arm talent, and he's without question the best athlete of the three that we've talked about. Agree. It's just the feel for the game and some of the other things just aren't where some of these other quarterbacks are. But you've seen him up in personal uh, twice now, right? You've seen him twice. Then yep. you've seen him at Tennessee Annie, Lee Levin. So, he what are got, your thoughts on two him? camps We saw
4: Mitchie, yep. Okay, what are your thoughts on Brock Glenn as a player and a pro? I'm, I'm right with you uh, on on five given throws. He he'll look like the, the best kid out there over a stretched period of time. It'll fluctuate a, a little bit more, and then you you go back to his junior year stuff. Not a very pass heavy program, you know. So it's you kind of understand where he is more of a flash than, than a consistent uh, productive quarterback like Novosad, like. Uh, Kenny Minchie. So I do think that's mm-hmm. part of, of, I guess, the issue there. There's some baseball in his background, so you do get a little bit more variance in in where he can deliver the ball from, which is a good and a bad thing, right? I mean, it's bad from a consistency standpoint, but when you do need to go off script, I think he's a little bit more equipped for it. Certainly needs time uh, before he heads to to the next level, you know, before yeah. he sees the field. And and the other thing that with Notre Dame that I think is smart to Of the three to go for the other two still a lot of contenders man that that kid uh he kind of has no idea right now Uh, Mm -hmm. every time you make a phone call i had one this morning about him it's another school that feels better about their chances Um, and he says he's still considering five which is such a big number this late uh, in the game so he could he could well end up at Florida State replacing Chris Parson before all is said mm-hmm. and done. Uh, and two weeks ago, I would have said there's no chance. It's it's either Auburn or Ohio State. So I think uh, there's different pressures at those programs. I think that could be a turnoff uh, for, for Auburn, which is his first name, yeah. by the way. So yeah, yeah he's he's really interesting. Um, I, I do his think first name's actually bad. Auburn. His name is Auburn Brockland. Yes. Yes. Okay. So, wow. uh, if if that's a miss. Which it looks like it's about to be because Auburn uh, just got in contact with uh, Jackson Smallick, who was the Iowa okay. kid who replaced Nico at the Elite 11 and had a really nice run from he's from Iowa uh, had never heard of him before the, the event, uh, he had a really nice run and he's getting like Penn State's talk to him, LSU Auburn now Virginia Tech, all these schools are, are getting in on him. Anyway, my point. That's is a
1: sign that, when a when a school's fate trend fading away. When they start reaching out to other kids, that's a sign that they're not confident that they're going to get
4: a guy. Yeah, I think it, I think Glenn's going to end up at Florida State or Ohio State, um, which where it's so different there. FSU, he's going to be expected kind of like Nico, mm-hmm. pretty early on. Hey, you better be the right guy um, if that staff survives. And then at Ohio State, total development long-term kind of deal, which I think is what's best for him. Thank, okay, thank you for saying
1: that because in most for most of these quarterbacks, picking Ohio State in 23 is stupid because <laughs> you've got Devin Brown ahead of you. You've got Kyle McCord ahead of you. you got d- d- but to me, Brock Glenn is the one that if I'm Ohio State, that's the kid I think would be a great fit for him and them because, number one, his physical tools, if he reaches his ceiling, he can compete with all those quarterbacks physically, talent-wise. But there's not the demand for him to go in and play right now. And so that's why I think Notre Dame would actually be a good fit for him as well because of Tyler Buckner. But I, th- I don't think that's the direction Notre Dame is going. But there aren't many kids. like I'd say like Austin Novis. I'm like, dude, do not go to Ohio State, right? Because you're, you're, you're just – if everybody pans and then out, just
4: coming in 24. Exactly, exactly. Yeah.
1: And, and so with Glenn, though, like he is physically gifted enough to where – you know, if you miss on him, if he doesn't pan out at your house, you're okay. But if he pans out, he does have the physical tools to to be a guy that can battle with – and, and I'm a big I, – I graded Kyle McCord out as a top 50 player coming out. I'm not nearly as high on Devin Brown, and neither is SIL American, as like on three rank him as the number one player in the country. I mean, he's a good player, Oof. but Brock Glenn – if Brock Glenn maxes his ability and Devin Brown maxes his bit, it's not close to me. It's not even close. And so that is something I, I – not many kids I would say, hey, Ohio State might actually make sense for you right now, a quarterback. But because, like you said, he's going to need time. And what's the one school you can guarantee he's going to get time? It's Ohio State. Because sure. once C.J. Stroud's the, a top three pick this year, Kyle McCord's going to step into this equation. And we're going to talk about him being a first-round pick in in a year or two. So I think that would actually be a great – of of the movies looking at, I think might be the best for him as far as he needs time. He's going to need time. And I don't think he's going to get it at Florida State, to your point. And I don't even know if he gets it at Auburn either, to be honest with you. Yeah, so that's, that's going to be an interesting that's one. That's a mess to be a, Auburn's, to be Auburn's
4: quarterback room is a dumpster fire right now, To man. be it's light, yeah, that's That's a mess. Yeah. Three transfers. They haven't named a starter. So once you do, at least one or both are gone. And then it's one freshman after yep. that. I mean, it is – interesting to, to say the least uh yeah well, john me...
1: i wanted to bring this up because this was asked and i know you've seen this young man in person at least once or twice as well uh and that is you brought up chris parson who's currently committed to florida state but it looks like that's not going to stick correct am i am i correct in that uh, what i've there's read
4: there's a, a lot of schools talking smu okay. got him on campus mississippi state virginia tech offered today he's talked to mike okay. vick like recently it's it's okay. looking like he's going to end up elsewhere is is
1: here's a question I had first, and then I want to get into your evaluation. Is Florida State their movement with other quarterbacks more about Chris Parson looking around, or is Chris Parson looking around because Florida State's looking at other quarterbacks? Or is it I think bit it's bold? the latter.
4: They offered Brock Glenn and and Ricky Collins like the same week, and then the following weekend, Parson shows up at like Mississippi State hanging out with mm-hmm. Mike Leach. He's like, okay, good, you good, on yeah, good, yeah, on so good on I, him. Yeah, good on him. Good. I think that was they want to take two quarterbacks so obviously mm-hmm. they were going to offer uh, a couple others and then um, you know parson said that they've been transparent and he's been transparent uh, he took the official to fsu at the end of june and said he was glad he went and, and he got more clarity on things but he he's a smart kid you know he's he's mm-hmm. been a starter since his freshman year of high school so he understands how, how to operate so i do think it's a little bit more behind the scenes but yeah i think the chances of, of him ending up at FSU are lower today than even okay. a month ago. Cause I do think Glenn is in, in play for them and, and they may end up with another QB two type down the line, but I don't okay. know if the timing of how they operated it helped at all with Parsons. So I do think he will be available and other schools I'm I'm told are beginning to establish with him. So I think yeah. a lot of schools see him as very flippable. Cause like you said with Notre Dame, it's one thing to just offer a bunch of quarterbacks that are committed, but you need to see – you need to be realistic. Like, who do you legitimately have a shot at potentially flipping? And for some reason, other schools are feeling like he's out there potentially for the take. And I've heard a couple of Big Ten schools are about to rendezvous with him next. So, yeah, I think, I think he's definitely available uh, on the – or behind the scenes, I should say.
1: Talk to me. I've only seen film. I haven't seen Chris Parsons' uh, summer workouts. I've only seen high school film. I like them, but I'm also biased. Ryan will tell you. I, I mean, I, we were asked a question the other day. You know, who's your favorite non-nerd name player? And I, Woody Dancer. I loved Woody Dancer. You know, like I'm <laughs> big. Hey, like time. there's just some about. First of all, I'm biased towards six foot quarterbacks. It's just me, maybe. You know, uh, but uh, I, I like those guys that are just the, the the street ballers. Like I just I love those kids, and that's what Chris Parson is to me. I mean, he's just a. It's going to look pretty. It's he's going to complete. 55% of his passes in a game, but then you're just like, the kid goes, I mean, I think the most recent comparison to me is Taj Boyd. When mm. I see him, I, I think Taj Boyd and, and maybe a little bit more street ball than Taj Boyd was, but very similar. And I I mean, Taj Boyd is, people talk about Deshaun Watson launch Clemson. No, Taj launched. He, Taj yeah. set Clemson up for Deshaun to take him to the next level. I see a lot of that in Chris Parson. That's me. John, what have you seen from him? What are your thoughts on him as a player? Because again, it's someone who, is Notre Dame's looking to maybe get involved with some guys that are open? You know, maybe he is a guy that they turn to if they can't, you know, get things going with these other two kids.
4: Yeah, I, I think he's he's first of all he's built really well. Uh, we talked about Kenny Minchie's frame. Chris's frame is pretty much where you want it at, at, at the high school level as a junior, going into his senior season, really filled out, well proportioned, and it shows when when he launches the ball. He needs to utilize a little bit more of that lower half to deliver it to the third level, but, but he's done so consistently for a long time. Like I said, he was a a first year a freshman year starter in the state of Texas uh, and he went to a state championship. So there's, there's a lot of experience to him. Like you said, Brian, the off script stuff is great. The footwork, the athleticism shows up every time you see him. And I think that makes him so intriguing. I don't think he's one you're going to design 10 runs for in a game, but, He can definitely get you out of a jam uh, if need be. There's a lot of of flash plays to his name. Um, And then I think in terms of his arm, good, not the best, not the lightest, but the motion is clean. Uh, Another over-the-top type of delivery, closer to three-quarter compared to Minchie. So I like that about his game as well. But he's also among, I would say, all the quarterbacks at the Elite 11, biggest chip on his shoulder, most competitive just kind of just that edge he's got that edge to his game and i think maybe out there part of it was the whole fsu thing uh hey people are thinking that maybe fsu's moving on from me let me show them you know how dumb they are if if that's what it was i don't know he certainly didn't say that when we put a a microphone in his face but when he was out there you could just kind of feel it there was there was something at stake for him and i like that i like the 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 six foot is part of that as well i'm just telling you right now
1: that's like part of it as well. to
4: put himself yeah. out to, to yeah. that degree. So I, I, I he's a kid I would bet on uh, at the college level. If I'm a program looking for a later addition, he's one that I would give the benefit of the doubt to. And I think, again, a lot of programs are starting to look at him as one of the more viable options among those that are potentially open.
1: For me, Ryan, have you had a chance to watch Chris Parson
2: at all? Uh, yes. Yeah, or... no, I, yeah, I was going to say yes. He was actually well, a player that I wanted to put on the table as a guy that okay. Notre Dame should look at it. Because that's point. part yeah.
1: of what we're going to do too is some guys to look at. Yeah. Ryan, yeah.
2: G- give me – because like I'll just say kind of my thing
1: is I like him a lot as a player. I don't yeah. know if I love the Notre Dame fit because of what Notre Dame is looking for is more of a pocket guy. True. And I feel like you, you – but at the same time, we've seen that they've been able to adjust their offense to Tyler Buckner as well. Sure. And sure. so if 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 he's a kid that you can look at, you know, I'd look at him because, again, he's a, he's a playmaker. Ryan, what, when you've had a chance to look at him, what are your thoughts on Chris Parson?
2: He's a guy for me. Uh, John, kind of going off of you a little bit. He's like, as a defensive player. I'm like, we got him, we got him. Uh, we don't have him anymore. Right. Like, he's we, one of those dudes, you know? Like, he's a frustrating guy for a defensive yes. coordinator because he's net the plays never dead, you know? Like, the play is still gonna go, and the, all those athletic traits are fantastic, man. Like, he can get you out of the jam. Like you said I, again, not a guy that you're gonna run, you know, quarterback power with a ton. Like, you can do it It spurts, no doubt about it. Like, he's he's got enough athleticism in that regard, but he's one of those freelancers that like. You know, just extending as a, as a quarter as a passer, he's a very frustrating player to look at. So, Brian, to your point, like yes, I don't think that he's in Tommy Reese's system where you're talking about timing, getting the ball out, and going through progressions. He might not be the perfect fit, but there's something to work with, man. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of tools to really like as as a just an improviser.
1: He's on my list of guys to look at if you're Notre Dame. I mean, he yep. is to me, and, and and again, I don't know if he'd be the first call that I would make. Uh, if I'm running if I'm recruiting for Tommy Reese's offense, he's not the first call I make. If he's if he's being recruited for Brian Driscoll's offense, I'd probably call him a little bit sooner. But again, that's the thing about quarterback recruiting. It's 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 not always, well, this is the best quarterback in the country. It's this is the guy that's best fits what we're trying to do. And that's something that has to be considered too. And you know, we've talked about Nico a lot, John, and and you know my stance on that. But I did say this I hate the fact, I hate why he picked Tennessee. But if I were to design, what would be the school where I think he has the best chance of success? It is Tennessee Mm -hmm. because when I look at what uh, what the coach Josh Heupel was able to do with Hendon Hooker, and and they're very similar. Now Nico has much better arm, like physical arm strength, but raw. Player Hendon. I like Hennon. Hendon's a winner. I mean, you just watch him at Virginia Tech, and I don't know what Justin Fuente was thinking. He kept trotting out quarterbacks over top of him. I'm like, that guy's not nearly as good as Hendon Hooker. And Braxton, for some reason, you always win. Yeah, yeah, you always freaking yeah. win. Whenever you put Hendon Hooker in the game, you always win. Guess what? You do the same thing in Tennessee, right? Uh, but if you can develop that, then I look at a kid like Nico and say, that's that's probably the the quarterback coach who has who's developed guys like him the best, in my opinion. And so I, I do think that's a good fit uh, in 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 that regard as well because you gotta you gotta find a fit for you right it's not just about well, here's the best player it's who's the best fit for what we're trying to get in this class of quarterback and that's partly why I think Austin Novosad and Kenny Minchie were the top two choices there's a lot of guys that we can we're gonna talk about who Notre Dame could go after but what is Notre Dame looking for a guy that can sit back and shred you with his arm which means you gotta have the physical talent but also just as important if not more so do you have the the mind to come in and compete and, and do what we're looking to do, and and get the ball out to the guys? We need to get it out. And do you have some guts? I think that's something Notre Dame's definitely looking for in this class. They it, Dante was that way, right? Chris Vazina is that way a little bit. Uh, Jackson Arnold has some of that in him, and the two kids they're recruiting now, uh, Kenny Minchie and, and Austin Davis, definitely have that in them. They've got some guts as quarterbacks, and I think you need that to to thrive in a place like Notre Dame. It's a must. It's a must. I don't know what you guys think about um, uh, about that part of it, but that's kind of my thoughts. So, uh, Ryan, you talked about we, John. There's some other guys. Is there? Is you've kind of gone and you've seen a lot of these kids in quarterback, and we'll we'll ask you this, John, and then we'll we'll let you go, and, and Ryan and I'll dive into some more of this, and then we'll we'll dive into you know the Q and A. But if if you were kind of advising Notre Dame, so I'm, I'm I'm Tommy Reese. I call you up. Hey hey hey, John. Obviously, we're going after Minchie, We're going after Nova Sad. Uh, here's some guys we like. You know, tell me some players that you think we should go after that. A could be committed somewhere else, but maybe might be flippable for us, or some uncommitted kids that you think have ceilings that could be kids that come here because. And we're not looking for just a depth piece. We're looking for a kid to come in and compete. Who would you be? Some names that you would throw out to Notre Dame that that in and, 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 again that may they might actually have a shot at. It's not like okay, Arch. Uh, Malachi, yeah, uh, yep. you know what I mean? Like, let's you get go right. get those guys. no big deal. <laughs> Right. So let's. What are some guys that you would say you would advise uh for them to to take a look at?
4: I, I will say there is a top five ish quarterback. I'm not allowed to name him, who is more available than people think, and supposedly something could happen there soon. But apparently, one of the big name guys, not Arch, one of the big name guys is. More available than people think, so there could be okay. a lot of shuffle here going on. But yeah, I, I think the two guys they've targeted are certainly two of my favorites. Um, I think Emory Williams was was kind of the surprise. You can't get JJ Cole because of his dad and all that stuff. He sure. would he would probably be the most obvious to to try to target, but I think Emory Williams is what worth talking about more. Um, out through Jaden Rashada, kid who got better every single day at the event uh, and he won our accuracy gauntlet on the final day, him and Malachi Singleton, who's another worth calling, although I love the floor. I don't know about the ceiling for him. Mm-hmm. I think he's he is one you can absolutely draw up.
1: Where's won, he committed he to?
4: For. I just don't know schematically how he fits. At, Where's he committed to, John? He's committed to Arkansas to be K.J. Okay. Jefferson 2.0. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Um, so he's he's one I would be curious about if you just want someone – like you said, who can compete right now? Schematically, though, not sure he's he's the best fit. I think Emory Williams, 6'4", 205 pounds or so, really good athlete. I think he's one that I would be really curious about. And he's saying all the right things about Miami. I mean, he just committed like two weeks ago. But obviously Rashada committed after that, and and that, that creates – a connotation around it. Uh so I do think he he could be one that gets more phone calls. I already know he's gotten some phone calls. He's one that I think is kind of a sneaky contender to play sooner rather than later if he goes to the right situation. Um I don't know if Miami is that situation today, uh, but he's just one that surprised and then just kind of maintained that. You know, usually if there's a guy who, who takes you off guard, it's it's for a throw, it's for a day or maybe an hour. He, he sustained it throughout the entire event. And then you go back and watch the tape. There's some there's some fun stuff on there playing out in mm-hmm. the panhandle where there's like no exposure, no coverage. So I think he's he's kind of a, a nice diamond in the rough uh, who's a good athlete at 6'4", uh, which is not something that we see a whole lot of availability around uh, this time of year. So I think he's one that I, I at least uh, try to make some calls on. Um, but yeah, I think Notre Dame's on the right track, though. I think Parson would be third on that list behind Novosad uh, and Minchie. Uh, Minchie's, I don't know how flippable he is. Like you said, mm-hmm. he said- um, It would take the right school, yeah, in my I, opinion. Yeah, I asked him just because we were there. I'm like, hey, is anyone calling? And he's like, no, nah. he's like, I'm going to Pitt. I'm done. Obviously, Notre Dame wasn't calling at that point. Uh, so I, I know that could change a lot of things. I didn't envision Novosad considering another program. Yeah. After what he said about Georgia and some of these other schools, I was like, right. oh, you're you just you're done. You're, you're looking at these three. And that's that's kind of it. But obviously mm-hmm. Notre Dame changed his mind. Uh, so I do think that was interesting. The, the, the smaller kid who's, who's kind of blowing up a little bit. I'm not sure. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if he's at that level. Yeah, um, certainly a nice story, a nice run. Um, but but I'm not sure uh, athletically uh, how well he can compete at the highest level. And I take another look at Avery Johnson. I know he just committed mm-hmm. it to K-State. He is so athletic. So dynamic with the ball in his hands, and 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 he just he just needs to put it together as a passer. So I don't know if you're not trying to make it a long term thing. I don't know if he's he's the right fit. But man, you can mask a whole lot of that early on. Uh, similarly to, to Tyler Buckner, yeah, uh, I where th- you you have so much to work with there.
1: I think with Avery, he would be the exception to my. I don't want a. Guy like that in this class, because if Avery can't play quarterback, he can play something else. He's okay. one of the few kids in this class, a quarterback that's like, hey, look, if he, if it just doesn't work for him as a quarterback, let's say he can't read a defense or something. Okay, go catch passes because that kid is a legitimate, legitimate power five athlete. Forget just the quarterback aspect of it he's a legitimate power five athlete, he's you know, like I've said, this, like, right. Like move. Tyler Buckner's yeah. a great athlete for a quarterback, but like, I'm not putting Tyler Buckner at, at, at X, right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, like he's, he's a, he's a really good athlete for a quarterback and he can run as a quarterback, but he's not going to, you know, he's not going to move to tailback and become a 1500 yard runner. Right. It's yeah. Avery Johnson can legitimately to me, go play another position at the power five. low. it would take some learning, you know, but he's got a lot of the kid, um, Oh, uh, the kid from um, West Virginia that committed to USC is like a third grader David to play David Sills. David Sills, Sills, Sills right? Obviously grader. not a third grader. <laughs> you know, slight exaggeration to prove seventh grader. whatever. <laughs> well, by today's terms, that's what it would be, right? Because yeah. when he got offered as an eighth grader, it's like what the you don't you barely offered juniors back then. Now it's yeah. like you're it, getting seventh, eighth Kiffin? graders.
4: Legit. Go ahead. Was it
1: Kiffin who did that? Who did Kiffin. That? Yeah, Kiffin it Kiffin, yeah. yeah, it was Kiffin. Yeah, 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 of course. Makes uh, sense. Now. You know, but but you know where he was able to he it didn't work a quarterback I mean, he wasn't a quarterback by the time he got to college. But the point is he was offered as a quarterback in the eighth grade, ended up not developing as a quarterback to that degree, and then all of a sudden becomes an all Big Twelve caliber wide receiver. And that that's what I see from Avery Johnson. So I would kick the tires there. I'm just not sure that Avery. Uh, I'm not sure how open he would be to that because Notre Dame did pursue him early and then just passed because of they went on Dante. So that's why I think where Notre Dame's going to have a hard time with flipping guys is the guys that they legitimately recruited early that they passed on. So Jackson Arnold, Chris Vezina, uh, Avery Johnson would be one where they had early offers. They, they went after them early on, and then when they settled on Dante, they kind of said, hey, thanks, but no thanks. You're going to have a much harder time flipping that kid than a kid like Kenny Minchie who you never really pursued to begin with. Or a yeah. guy like uh, a, a, an Austin Novosad who who's not really a guy that you recruited to begin with, and a lot of other people are just now getting on the board. You know, and I think that would would, would make – that's why people say, why aren't you talking about Jackson Arnold and Chris Vazina? It's because you don't often see kids get turned down by a school when they're top 100 players to then right. go back to that school and that school misses out on the guy they passed on you for. It just – it's Just not overly realistic doesn't mean you don't make the phone call, but it just it, it's, yeah, and
4: they both found great fits too, right. For them,
1: so it's right, that, that's right. tough in and of itself. Right. Jackson Arnold does fit Jeff Levy's offense pretty good, I yeah. think. It's, it, it's a does. great fit, yeah, it's a it, great fit. And same with Vizina because Vizina, you know, to me, is a he's a pocket passer that can run, and that's mm-hmm. really what Clemson's always been best at, with the exception, you know, in the last few years, like you know, find that pocket passer that can run. DJ just can't run like that was the stupidest thing when they're trying to call designed runs for him did you watch the georgia game last year ryan when they're calling power. like q power with, <laughs> yeah. with with i'm like what are you doing and, and like, like big moments too like third yeah. and two, and like
2: i'm yeah, like you're
1: yeah, literally yeah. just like you literally it's like if you would have told me before the year that tony Elliott just ran, went and found his 2015 offense and was like yeah we're gonna run that this year like that's what they were doing with him at quarterback it was the dumbest thing ever like you don't so, have a spot receiver yeah, Tony oh, Elliott gosh.
2: somehow was not a great offensive coordinator over the last couple of years and is now the head coach of the University of Virginia. Right. Makes a ton of sense. You yeah. know, I, I, he, I, he just flipped
4: a good one from, from down here in Florida. Anthony Calandrea, that kid, that kid could sling it. Um Middle Tennessee could before UVA got involved. So wow. yeah, he's he can still recruit. There's no doubt about it. Sometimes, that. Yeah. guys.
1: I've said this about Bama, <laughs> Ryan. The sum nope. sometimes is greater than the individual parts. Sure. And I've always felt that about Tony Elliott and Jeff Scott. I never thought either one of them necessarily individually were great coaches, but together they were a great do. I think they played off each other's strengths and weaknesses very well. And mm-hmm. neither has been the same since Jeff Scott got that South Florida job. They just, they just haven't. We'll okay. see what kind of head coach he is, but uh, their, their offense the last couple of years is, I mean, if it wasn't for Trevor, and this is why we predicted their drop-off last year. Like you mm-hmm. watched the film of them in 2019 and 2020 That was a different football team, and they were basically if you don't have number sixteen at quarterback, you're not a playoff team in nineteen and twenty. You're just not. And Ohio State showed that. I mean, it was sixteen nothing, and Ohio State was clearly the better team until sixteen was like, I got this. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like
2: Trevor Lawrence masked a lot of did, and I mean you had Etn,
1: you know, who helped with that. But yes, Trevor Lawrence masked a lot of flaws in that program. That sure. got exposed last year, and and that's partly why I like Cade Klubnik as the future there because he is a bit of that pocket passer, gunslinger that, you know, you can do some different things with, and I think he's going to fit in very, very well, and I think Chris Vazina fits that offense a lot better, too, where DJ is, to me, an old school – I mean, honestly, if, you, if you're talking about best fits, if DJ was going to go to the school, hey, where do you fit best – He needs to go to like Iowa or Wisconsin or
4: Michigan.
1: Michigan. Similar thing, Michigan, right? Where where what what does Jim Harbaugh traditionally want to do? He wants to get up under center, wants to run play action pass. You know, have a traditional type of offense. That's the kind of place where I think DJ would fit in much better than a place that's asking him to make quick decisions and you know get the ball out quickly and all that other kind of stuff. That's just not who he is. And then you're definitely not going to put him on running Q power with him. That's just that's just bad coaching. You know, like maybe it was element of surprise. Although no. maybe they're just trying to do it, I don't be surprised if it's Georgia. No. They just, but they just kept doing it all year. You're like, yeah, <laughs> this is
4: dumb. This is dumb. Can't run Ryan Mallett up the middle. <laughs> no
1: <laughs> right? Ryan Mallett. That's a great. I haven't heard that name in a while. That's a, that that's a great announcement. But that's a great point. I mean, <laughs> you that, do that's it. the kind of athlete DJ is, right? Like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> a great baseball God, player. Dude. He was a pitcher. Like, he wasn't exactly like a shortstop, right. he was a pitcher.
4: Right. So yeah, yeah. Clemens, that, that if they lose a couple early that yeah. could be a thing very Don't very be shocked.
1: Point. Yeah, don't be yeah. shocked. Yeah. I don't I know if they're going to lose a couple early with the schedule they have but uh you know, at least they try. I give Clemson credit. Maybe if they,
2: maybe
4: if they struggle offensively early yeah. but they're still winning yeah. they would Yeah, that, I mean never yeah. know. Dabo pulled Kelly Bryant when they were winning. You know they were yes. they were not losing. Um, of course, you had yeah. Trevor there, but sure, you know, it's you know it's, sure he's done it before, so we'll see. But. Well, and, and Kate sure guys, is a Trevor. Uh,
1: Go ahead, John. Sure you guys have me on. Yeah, of course, buddy. We always love having you on. So yeah. I'm glad you finally are home. I know John. John had I to get home, moved. and he was like. Uh, you know, what does my house look like again this yeah. summer after this summer? Like yeah. every time I'm calling him, he's either at an event or at the airport or on his way to the airport or just got to the hotel from his airport. So I was like, okay, yeah, must be is. nice to get home. It's, I had a feeling you just – That's what yeah. I was like. I think he either moved or is yeah. moving because the mm. shelf is, is empty. Yeah. Yeah. So, we you your job. Here, yeah. so we appreciate you, John. imagination out here. Yeah, we we'll, appreciate you. We'll talk to you again here very, very soon. So be good. Bye, good yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Take care. So that's John Garcia. I always love having John on the show. He does a great job. Um, so Ryan, some other guys that you've been able to kind of go through and 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 look at and see, um, see kind of the guys maybe you think Notre Dame should kind of go after.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a couple of players that we've already talked about kind of throughout the podcast so far, but I, I was going to mention Avery Johnson, which John just mentioned. I, I think it's a little different. He's a little lower rated than like a Vazina and an Arnold. So maybe it's, it'll be a slightly easier to get back in the conversation. I would at least make the phone call though. Cause I think he has familiar familiarity with the staff. He's mm-hmm. a guy that you have known previously. And I think that you can paint it away where maybe you could get back in the conversation. So Just, I would make the phone call. That's just pretty much it. We mentioned Ricky Collins, a guy that I like, you know, he's a, he's a player committed to Purdue. And I mean, he's obviously not afraid to go up to Indiana,
0: right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, to start
2: out with, and he's a talented kid. I think he fits into Tommy Reese's system pretty well, you know, because he's a pretty traditional type of player, has enough athleticism to win outside the pocket, but I mean, he's going to work in rhythm most of the time. And I, I think that he's worth the call. I also had Chris Parson down, which I kind of mm-hmm. talked about a little bit earlier. He's a little more of the freelancer type. I also wrote down Pierce Clarkson, who's out of yeah. St. John Bosco, who's another kid who's kind of the same. Like, he's a little bit of a freelancer, works more in structure because he's playing at St. John Bosco, so it's a little bit better of a program, better offensive line in front of him, right? So that's a, a few of the guys. And I wrote down Braden Dorman from Arizona as a kid yeah. that I kind of like a little bit. Notre Dame looked
1: at him early on as well. He yeah. actually camped at Notre Dame last summer.
2: He's got yeah, he's, he's got a nice frame. Obviously 6'4, 205. He's kind of that traditional pocket passer. So you want a guy that's more jack Koon-ish, Like that's kind of him for me, right? But like accurate, tall, decent, strong, decently strong arm. I kinda of, kinda of like him. And he's and he's committed to Arizona, obviously, you know, pertinent He's to a redhead. Body. So he's got to have some Irish blood in him. You know? 100% and I mean hey if if you if you're Notre Dame and you can't talk to a kid to potentially get him from Arizona then eh, it's a little bit right, issue, right? I know the, it's a the, proximity thing we so. have a
1: much bigger problem uh, on hand yeah and he's right. a kid that I think the staff liked I mean there's another kid yeah. that they looked at I don't know if you had a chance to watch him. probably not flippable but like Tad Hudson's a kid that they looked at early on too kid from North mm-hmm. Carolina really big armed kid uh, gotcha. kind of raw but that's
2: the thing there's just so many guys like that in this classroom there's a lot of good football players in this class Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's, it. I mean, it really is. Cause I mean, I, I, I think, I, I think brand just put in the chat, for instance, it's like, you know, maybe Pierce Clarkson isn't a flippable player from Louisville. The point is, is that there's a lot of options. Like you make the call, right. And like, you see what's going on. I mean, I just talked to every player that I just mentioned is currently committed to a university because outside of your Austin Nova sads of the world, there's not a lot of guys that are uncommitted right now, right? Like, you're going to have to flip someone in theory. I mean, the board is kind of, I don't want to say dried up, because that's like, I don't like yeah, how that sounds. There's not a like, lot of
1: Brock Glens out there that are just flat out 100%, uncommitted 100%. players. 100%. Yeah. Yep, the
2: yeah. board the board is, has kind of righted itself. Like, Dante committed, and the board was kind of already filled out for the most part. So there's not a ton mm-hmm. of uncommitted <laughs> guys. So we're going to spend most of our time talking about guys that will have to be flipped, because right. that's just kind of where you are in this process right now.
1: I, I think you're kind of right there. Is there are a ton of guys that are, that are, that are, I mean, look, Austin Nova sad is committed to Baylor. Yep. I think he's more open to flipping, I think, than than John thinks he is. Um, cause I think we've learned in our quick conversation with Austin Nova sad, he's, he, he knows how to give, uh, the right answer. Yes. on things
2: very political very political. yes yeah. very
1: savvy young man very yes. savvy young man uh kenny minchie's similar in that regard i mean you're going to have a lot of these kids that are committed to other schools that you're not going to know that they're looking until it happens right sure. and, and that's just sort of, like you know i mean there there was started to be a little bit of rumblings but like when marcus stokes flipped from penn state to florida it just kind of happened you know i mean it's going to be something like that so uh, i think those are the guys that that you look at and say <clears throat> um, you, you look at him and say, Hey, this is, a, this is a kid that maybe you can get in with. So sure. I think you got to work through the system, the system, right? I mean, you've got to work through the system and, and say, Hey, look, are you interested or not? And if a mm-hmm. kid says, you know, I'm not, if, if you get anything more than, uh, no, then you stay on a kid, right? Because sure. I'm not sure. If he's not sure that leaves open a window. And if you like the kid enough, you go after him, you know, if but... they
2: take, if they take the call, keep making the calls, <laughs> right. man. Like that's, that's right. I mean, that comes down to, it. Right. I would say this, Brian, I liked Kenny Minchie the first time I watched film on him a mm-hmm. few days ago. Every time I watch him, man, he grows more and yeah. more on me. I, I like that yeah. kid. I, I like also Nova said too, but Minchie for right. me, is just kind of like that. He's every time I've watched him, I've just liked him more and more. Yeah. Like he's that guy for me. Right. So that's kind of where they are quarterback right now
1: I think this is going to evolve I think that it, they're going to know pretty quickly just how interested the kids we've discussed are and if they are legitimately interested I think you'll see the focus be on them if there's some hemming and hawing then I think Notre going to be smart enough to know we've got to expand the board uh, and and then <clears throat> when you're talking about a kid who is committed like Kenny Minchie who's not necessarily looking to flip his situation's a little bit different than you know so people say well they must like Austin Novosad better because they offered him first. That's not always how it works. Austin Novosad's right. committed at Baylor, but he is in the process of potentially being flipped. Sure. And if you don't get involved now, you're going to be left out. You're, you, he's not going to flip to A and or Ohio State, and then you flip him from there. He's going to he, he'd right. flip once if he flips, and then you got to make a run at it. Whereas Kenny Minchie's not really looking around. So as you're kind of going through the process of seeing who you like and who you're going to flip, you've got to get in the game with that kid now. It's a it's a timing aspect of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so you've yeah. got to get in the mix with Austin set to have any chance. And then that allows you to kind of go through the process. I do think they like Austin Novosad a lot. I think they like Kenny Minchie a lot. Yep. And with Nova Novosad, obviously, there's the benefit of he's really talented. He's really productive. I think he fits the Notre Dame system incredibly well. And the fact it does not hurt that he's from Texas and is friends with guys that he knows, meaning I guarantee you, I guarantee you that part of the conversation with the Nurem has had, as they've evaluated this kid, is going in and saying, hey, Braylon, what do you think of Austin? Yep. Hey, Jaden, what do you think of Austin? Now, again, Jaden's not committed to Notre Dame, but you have enough of a relationship with him where you trust what he's going to say. Plus, Jaden played with Cade Klubnik, and so you're not saying, "Oh, I think he's really good." You know if he's good or not. It's more of a, you know, what does he communicate? Does he lead? Does he does he coach you up? Does he yell at you when you make a mistake? Does he does he pat you on the butt when you make a mistake? Is there, you know, how is he in these settings as a young, you know, as as a leader as a quarterback? Those are the things that you're asking about. Sure. And the fact that they have then continued to go in on Austin Nova said tells me. That in these conversations they've heard nothing but oh, this guy's great leader, smart, that you know, and they've heard they've they've checked all those boxes in my opinion, mm-hmm. which is why I think he's kind of been a guy that uh, that you look at and say, hey, this is a guy that 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 has what they're looking for, and and so I think that's part of the process too. But it, the point is, you had to do that in a hurry because he's going to be off the market soon. Kenny Minshew technically is already off the market. Sure. You know, and, and if you're going to flip him, it would be something that whether you offer him today or you offer him next week or in a month, it's not going to change his circumstance. Austin Nova said you can't afford to wait. So that's part of this process too that people need to understand.
2: Yeah, no, I think there's there's windows for different commits, right? Like, I mean, John talked about it. He, in theory, Austin wanted to have this figured out in July, right? Like mm-hmm. if I'm going to flip, where am I going to? And then I just really want to shut it down. Like, I, I think that for the most part, he's a kid that, Wants to kind of figure it out for the season. Like, I don't think he wants to go into the season having to worry about AM and Ohio State and if I'm sticking with Baylor, like all that. Right. I mean, it's 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 exhausting. Like, let's call it right. what it is. Like, it's, it's a very distracting as well. Process. And also, very, very distracting. distracting. Yep. Yeah, said said very perfectly. And I think I love the layer that you put in there that we didn't talk about earlier in the show. He's a Texas guy and right. it matters. It does right. matter. It's, people are going to roll their eyes, but explain that, Ryan, because what yeah. we're saying, we're not saying that. Well, he can't play and Notre Dame doesn't like
1: him, but he's from Texas, right. so they're going to make a run at him. No, that's not sure. what we're saying, but but, but yeah. it is part of it. So please, I just want to make sure people understand what we mean by that, because uh, you're not taking a kid to help with recruiting and you don't think he can no. play. You're not using him that right. way, but it doesn't mean if all things are equal, that may not be the thing that maybe slides a kid in, in, in your favor, in my opinion.
2: Look, we've talked about this. A lot on this show, right? The importance of getting back into Texas. I just wrote an article again. I've reiterated this before previous five cycles up to 2022, three players from the state of Texas in the five years, less than a one a, a, a recruiting cycle. If Notre Dame's able to close on Jaden Greathouse, which we'll hear his commitment on the 15th, whether he picks Notre Dame or not, and if they're also able to maybe flip an Austin Nova Sad, that's five players in one cycle. And the I think that the the law of averages are, hey, Texas puts out incredible products. Right. Few of those guys are going to hit. Like, th- you know, th- There's going to be some guys that aren't going to hit. There's going to be some guys that are. But you're recruiting the best state in high, for high school football players that continuously puts out top talent. And you are hitting a pipeline to get back into the state of Texas, which you have not had in five years. Had in a long time now at this point. You need to get back in the state of Texas. And I think also Nova that's another reason it's like, Wow, they pulled out a really a top-ranked quarterback out of the state as well on top of Braylon James and Micah Bell and Peyton Bowen and potentially Jane Greathouse. I think that that's a statement by the Notre Dame staff.
1: If I if I'm remembering this correctly and I I'm, I'm trying to go back and and think yep. through this and I I'm, I'm pulling up my my sheet of commits as I as I'm going through this. Mm-hmm. But from 2016 to 2022 classes I believe that Notre Dame signed a total. So I'm expanding the time frame a little bit further back than what you had it. Right. So yep. I'm not contradicting the Intel Ryan just gave. I'm expanding it a little bit more. Sure. From 2016 to 2022. So that's what? 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. To- so that's seven classes. Yep. Notre Dame signed five kids.
2: Yep. Including Brock Wright and Avery Davis as that you're one, popping but, back further. But here's yep. my
1: point. Right. So that's yep. why I said I went back to 2016 Added Brock and Avery. So that's how I get the five, to add on to what Ryan said. Here's the point I'm going to make on that, though. You have Mm -hmm. a running back, a quarterback, two defensive linemen, and a tight end. Not as much skill is the point, right? Mm -hmm. The unique thing about what you just talked about is all five of those kids, if they get Jaden Greathouse, they're all skill players. And that's the key. That yeah. it's not it's fine. I mean, look, departments going to Texas and getting defensive and tight ends is perfectly fine. Go for it. I mean, they've Notre Dame's gotten two NFL tight ends out of Texas in, in the last decade. You know, obviously, when you include Durham Smythe, who was drafted. If Brock Wright wasn't sitting behind Alize Mack and Cole Komet his whole career, and in, in, in Tommy Trumbull, who were all high draft picks, he would have been drafted too. Let's be honest about that. Okay. But yeah. but the point is is that's cool, but you can find those guys in Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Illinois. And like what 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 you can't find in to traditional Notre Dame areas is is guys like Braylon James, mm-hmm. Jaden Greathouse, Micah Bell, you know, the Peyton Bowen, that kind of really elite high upside guy at a skill position. And that's even more so than just because uh, that would be four, right? If they get Great House, that's four, correct? That's four, yeah. And, currently, and then, yep. then Novasad, if if just for the point of the point we're trying to make, would be five. Yep. You're talking about quarterbacks, receivers, and then last year getting a running back. That's yep. truly where Texas could have the huge impact. Is the positions where you need to get more dynamic, athletically that you mm-hmm. can't find a ton of that in your traditional backyard, and that to me, to your point, Ryan is is why Texas is so important. It's not just about getting a bunch of tight ends and D-line and O-line. No those are all fine. I mean, I'm mean, i not saying don't recruit those guys. I mean, go, go get Nigel Smith. Do it. It's just that on top of them, you have to get skill, and that's what's so unique about what they're doing in this class is they're getting dynamic playmakers out of the state. Think about this. Jaden Greathouse, who was an absolute dude on film last year, is if Notre Dame gets him, will be significantly slower
2: than anyone else that they're going to sign out of the state of Texas. Brian, that's what I was going to add to this conversation is I literally just submitted an article to you of talking about the speed that Notre Dame is bringing in 2023. Three of those guys out of Texas are included in that conversation. One is Micah Bell, who I would argue is one of the more athletic players in high school football, right? Like Sub twenty one in the in the 4 in the in the in the one hundred twenty four plus in the long jump, incredible athlete. Number two in that list, Peyton Bowen. I mean, mm-hmm. he went to Notre Dame. What did he run four three eight right four four one somewhere in that ballpark? Like no, he's-
1: <clears throat> he ran a four three eight. The coaches yep. didn't believe it. They made him run it again, and he ran a four four one. Sure. So yeah.
2: he's so flipping you're, fast. You're talking about a kid that runs high four threes, low four fours. And a cornerback that I just talked about in Micah Bell, that's even faster than him, right? That's two. A lot. And then, yes. And when you talk about getting longer and more athletic, that has kind of been the onus from the staff. Braylon James is 6'3", with a 38-inch vertical and four four seven in the 40-yard dash. Like, those three players are not just good athletes. They're not just great athletes. Those are elite-level athletes right. that you're getting out of this state. Just to reemphasize your point right. on, you're not just getting – good football players. You're not just getting offensive linemen who are important, obviously. I'm not this, you know, dispelling the importance of line play. I'm a traditionalist in that sense. But the point is, is that you're going into the premier state for developing talent and you're getting athletes. And your whole right. point of this recruitment, the big 2023 push, was what did we talk about all along? They want to get longer. They want to get more athletic. And three out of four of those guys, if Jaden Greathouse commits, certainly fit that bill. I think a program we can we
1: talk a lot about in our show is Ohio State. Why? Sure. Two reasons. One, Notre Dame's going to play them first game of the year. You're naturally going to talk a lot about them in that case. Two, as we have you and I have talked about multiple times, if Notre Dame wants to for Notre Dame to catch Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, they first have to catch and surpass Ohio State because that's the Midwestern powerhouse. But go look at what Ohio State's done with their skill players lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, just Okay, who's the best running back they've had in the last few years, right? I mean, Trayvon Henderson down. may become that guy. Sure. But sure. it's J.K. Dobbins. Sure. Where's yep. J.K. Dobbins from? He's from Texas. <laughs> Their receiving core last year, with all due respect to Chris Olave, he's a really good football player. Good player. Yeah. Archer said the third reason we talk about High State a lot is because he's here. So, just <laughs> fair for you, sir, just for you. <laughs> um, but no, uh, there's other there's other reasons. But yes, we we do that. That, that, could, that could just be
3: down the list. Yeah, we love sir, me, but we it's love a distant. How about that? Right? <laughs> yeah, no um,
1: but the the point is, is is you you look at the receiving core they had last year. Jackson Smith and Jigba leads their team in, in receiving and in, in receiving yards. Who but who is their best receiver? Garrett it was Wilson. Garrett Wilson. Where were yes. both of them from? State of Texas. Texas.
4: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: where is Chris Olave from? California, Notre Dame's always try to recruit California. Uh, you know, a, again, you kind of go through this process of, of you look Jamison Williams, who they had, and obviously he transferred to Bama, but he was a really good player. Where was he from? St. Louis. St.
3: Hey, Louis. Where's
1: Notre different. Dame trying to get more and more skilled players from? St. Louis. So the point is you don't, ha- this is what Ohio state figured out before Notre Dame. And, 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 and I blame that more on the previous staff, just not being good at this with all due respect. But but that the current staff started implementing the moment they were hired. I mean, and that's what your article about. And if you haven't read this, actually, Ryan, like this was really well done. And this isn't something I asked him to do. This is something Ryan just said, oh, by the way, there's a Jaden Greenhouse story. And it wasn't really a Jaden Greenhouse story. It's more of a Texas story. Yeah. But this is why we had Rod Babers on, right? Because we knew this needed to be done. And then Notre Dame has obviously implemented it. And we thought they were going to implement that. But it's really coming to full effect of, you are not going to be able to build your roster to compete with Bama and Georgia and Clemson by going down in the Southeast and only recruiting guys that they're also trying to recruit. Cause you're going to, for now, especially you're going to miss on those. Sure. What Ohio state did a great job of is seeing that, Hey, there are other players like that, that aren't in Florida. Now they still recruited Florida guys. Benjamin Victor was from Florida. They're still recruiting Southeastern guys, you know, East coast guys, Trayvon Henderson from Virginia, right? There's still Georgia. They got plenty of Georgia guys. But they realize like what you and I have talked a lot about and I've talked about even in the past is that if you look to the southwest, there are dudes like that that are just as good as the guys in the southeast. But a lot of schools are followers. And for a long time, Notre Dame was followers. And Ohio State was saying, hey, look, A&M's down. Texas is down. Oklahoma's good, but they're not they're not the power we are. Let's go down there and get so they got Ezekiel Elliott out of Missouri. It goes back even further than than the guys we talked about. They got Ezekiel Elliott out of Missouri. You get JK Dobbins out of Texas. You get Garrett Wilson out of Texas. You get, you know, you get Emeka out of um, out of Washington. You get Chris Olave out of California saying, hey, look, <clears throat> we can't fill our roster with just athletes from Ohio anymore. Ohio, even Ohio, which is still the by far the best Midwestern state when it comes to producing talent and athletes still isn't producing enough talent athletes for them to fill up the rosters the way maybe they used to be able to do. So where are you going to find it? And that's what they're doing. And to me, Notre Dame is late getting there, but boy, have they caught up in a hurry. Sure. And that's the important thing. And, and yeah, so, I mean, you know, that, that is a benefit to, to, uh, to, to, uh, to Austin Nova said, but another benefit, when you look at Kenny Minchie, what's another state I've said, Notre Dame needs to recruit more it's Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah. And, and so again, the volume isn't there but you're going to get some kids like this. And, and so to me, tennis, I mean, you've got Prince Colley from there, Golden Tate, Harrison Smith. I mean, you're not going to fill up with the volume that you get from Texas, but when you get a kid from Tennessee, you, you, you know, so again, we're talking about skill. Notre Dame doesn't have a problem recruiting linemen, especially on offense. We're talking about, you've got to add more dynamic skill. Texas is a place for that. And they've done a great job so far. Uh, and, and the more you get, the, the easier it is to go out next year. So, Maybe Austin Novasad could be the quarterback of your future. Maybe he's got the tools to be that someday because Notre Dame is not recruiting Austin Novosad and Kenny Minchie to just be hole fillers. They're right. going after these kids because they think these kids can flat out play. I'm I'm telling you that with hundred percent confidence, but it, it doesn't mean that you can't also look at some of the, the other benefits to it, which is maybe this makes the fact that you got James, Micah Bell, Peyton Bowen, if you get Jaden Greathouse on Friday, and, and we like where Notre Dame is at, if you get him, and if you get Austin set maybe that opens up the door a little bit next year for a Micah Hudson, for a yep. Nigel Smith. and That's the point, and that's why it's important. Uh, you know. So, so again, it, it's very important for Notre Dame to be able to, to say, hey, look, we are going to continue to recruit Southeast. We're going to recruit Georgia. We're going to recruit Florida. We're going to recruit Louisiana. We're going to recruit the Carolinas and Virginia. But we can't rely on those regions alone to find these dynamic players because there are other regions that has kids, let's be honest, that has kids that are more amenable to leaving the state and the region than maybe what we see in the Southeast. And I think
2: that's a big part of it as well. And to your point, I mean, it's like, okay, so if you look at like the California kids, for instance, right? USC is going to recruit well because now they have Lincoln Riley, of course. But those those California teams have been down, right? Like USC and UCLA have not been – Great programs over the last couple of years, so you can go into California and you can get a couple of players if if you're a, or fits that makes sense. Texas, we've talked about a lot, right? Texas, I think, is going to get better, but they're still not a great program right now. Mm-hmm. They're going to improve because I I do like Sark, and I think that getting an Arch Manning and getting that brand going a little bit is going to be great for them. But there's not a power in Texas right now mm-hmm. on the football field. You can go down in Texas, Florida right now, Miami's recruiting really well, but Florida football is a mess. Florida state's not very good. Florida is trying to get back on track, obviously with, with their, with their new coaching staff with Napier coming over there from Louisiana, but they're not a great program on the field right now. Like Miami isn't either really. I mean like they're okay. Right. They're not a great program though. So there might be a couple of those in those States where there's a couple of programs that may ascend a Texas, right. a USC, a, a, a Miami, but right now, there's no power in those states, and those states produce talent. So why not but, take advantage of that the,
1: right now? The difference with Florida, however, in Texas, mm-hmm. here's the difference. Yep. And, and you're absolutely right about Florida, and that's why Notre Dame should recruit there. And they are. I mean, they got Keon Keely out of Florida, right? I mean, they're, they're recruiting that state. But the reason it can't just be the Southeast is because, yes, the Florida schools stink. But you've got Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, all right there. LSU, all right there. Where in Texas it's like Texas, Texas, and Oklahoma. And it's like, you know, what yeah. what you know, those schools have to go pretty far away to go to Texas as well. You know, LSU, if you're sure. from the eastern part of the state, LSU's, you know, a local-ish type of situation. So sure. My my point being is to or to, to Ryan's point, I should say,
4: mm-hmm.
1: and for whatever reason, and I think part of it maybe is the the demographic shift that is a little bit more recent in Texas in regards to some of this, that some of these kids. To me, just for whatever reason, seemed more amenable to leaving the region and going to the SEC or going to the Pac 12 or going. I mean, one thing that the, the offensive coordinator just got fired from, uh, from, um, uh, what's his, Graham Harrell. Graham
4: Harrell I mean, he recruited
1: yeah. a ton of kids from Texas. Yeah. You know, I mean, they were willing to go to USC. Not all of them were good, but they, they recruited Texas a lot. So those kids seem to be more prone to leaving. And that's a key to think. Same thing with like, th- that's why I think St. Louis is so important because mm-hmm. there is no in state power. There, you know, and and I I mean, you'd have to kind of go to Texas and all that. So that's the thing that I love about this staff is they're not sacrificing the Southeast for Texas. It's both, you know, and that's 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 the only way you're going to get your skill to the level it needs to be, top to bottom. Notre Dame has always had a guy here, a guy there that they could go against. I'll say this: I don't even even look. I was at the I was at the the uh, Fiesta Bowl in 2015, Notre Dame and Ohio State. And with all due respect to all the great players Ohio State had, the two most explosive pound for pound athletes on the field that day were both wearing Notre Dame uniforms, and that was Jalen Smith and Will Fuller. I mean, with all due respect, the difference is is once you get past Notre Dame's top couple, that's where the drop off happens. What needs to happen moving forward is they got to fill it out where you're four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11. T- 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 and that's what was so good about those eighty-eight to ninety-three teams is it wasn't just Todd Light. It wasn't just Rocket Ismail, you had Ricky Waters. I mean, you had had future NFL backs that could not get on the field in 89. You know what I mean? Uh, And that's where they've got to still get to. And this class is a great first step to that if they can close it out. But it's going to be about also building on it. And for that to happen, no matter how good Texas gets, you still have to still give respect to the state because you're still going to be able to beat them for some kids because they're going to be – I don't know what it is, Ryan, but it just just looking at the evidence, these kids are more prone to leave the state.
2: Just, and there's a higher it's a higher volume, obviously, right? It's a big oh, state. Yeah. There's a lot of football players. Not all of them can go to Texas. Not all of mm-hmm. them can go to Oklahoma if they want to yep. travel up north a little bit. Like, there's going to right. be a volume of players that can fit your program and that can make an impact because not all of them can be a Texas long haul.
1: Brandon said, "Part of the reason is it's it's very hot in Texas.
2: <laughs> it's, that's it's true. I, that dry that's heat, man, weird. you gotta get out of there. But if you dr- if you
1: grow up in it though, you're used to it. it. I mean, it's like I've I've known kids from the South that come up here and they're like, man, it's it's cold all the
2: time. And I'm like, dude, it was like 90. I don't feel like 90. You know, it's like okay, whatever.
1: <laughs> but uh, anyway.
2: I went down went down to South Carolina this week, man. Talking about dry heat this summer. Yeah. Uh, this the last couple of days was rough.
1: Yeah, very rough. Yeah, I don't I don't miss those days." So I don't miss them at all. Uh, we're going to get to a few questions. If you, if you all we're going to, so, so that's kind of it for our quarterback conversation and that kind of tied into some other conversations, but it was all back to why would, why is Novus Ad and Minchie important, not just as quarterbacks, but also some other reasons. So that's going to do it for our quarterback breakdown for today. Next, we're going to do some questions, but uh, obviously before you leave, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, that notification bell, if you're going to bounce now, if you're going to hang around for the questions, we'll get into that. But uh, before you leave, if you are going to leave now, like button, subscribe button, notification bell, sign up. We've had, when I say this, I mean this genuinely, Ryan knows the numbers. We've had hundreds, hundreds of people have signed up for the message board in the last five days. Uh, so I don't know where it's coming from, but the word's getting out about what Irish Breakdown's doing. And so we're going to obviously that's going to keep growing and growing and growing. And we've already had some new members jump in and jump into the conversations and, and, uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun. So we're going to keep growing that. So sign up for the message board at boards at oursbreakdown.com.